Into the Weird, episode 15, The Wicked and the Weird, Revived. Listeners, this is Herman speaking. Before I let Billy welcome you to this week's show, I just want to mention that we've been off the air for quite some time. The reason for that was because I recently moved into a new place and I tried to set up the internet and the acoustics and everything to my liking. It did not work out, so eventually we just had to wing it and I wasn't very happy with the end products that Billy and I delivered. So I've been tweaking um, the the podcast a little bit trying to get the sound to the level that I think you listeners deserve. I managed to do something but I'm still not quite happy with it so it took me about two months to figure out a new system. Um, all the editing's done now it seems that it's okay uh, but I would appreciate some feedback uh, about the technical aspects or how you found the sound on this week's episode. Anyway without further ado I'll let Billy welcome you to this week's show. Um, I just want to thank our sponsor, Seven Kingdoms, as ever, for supporting us and providing us with our amazing intro song, In the Walls. So check them out, listeners, if you have a mind to uh, tap some modern metal music. All right, here we are with Billy and me on this week's show of Into the Weird. Welcome to Into the Weird, a podcast celebrating the madness and magnificence of the mighty Marvel Bronze Age. I'm your host, Billy D, and alongside me is my co-host, Herman the Hobgoblin Low. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm fine, thanks, Billy. Man, you know, every time you come up with a moniker that I, uh, you know, really enjoy, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Not that I'm deserving, but <laughs> I appreciate it. I'd rather be the Hobgoblin than the demo goblin or the green goblin <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
but you know all of those guys are are uh, you know touched in the head so probably none of them <laughs> i should choose yeah, I none of them yeah oh yeah i don't know about any of those guys no thanks <laughs> So, you know, it's been a while since we've recorded because we did so much during October for Halloween. And then, you know, a couple of things happened as well. We, we took a break, an unofficial break after the yeah. heavy workload in October. But Billy, you uh, came down with a bit of a, a flu bug or something. You were sick for quite a while there. Yeah, I'm still kind of just getting the tail end of it here with a little bit of a cough. But other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm almost in the clear. But yeah, it was probably about 10, 12 days straight of... Uh, Damn. Yeah, a bit of a head cold and chest cold and all that nonsense. So glad Jeez. to be uh, almost through that. <laughs> I'm almost um, sad that we didn't try to record during that time because it would have made for some interesting <laughs> <laughs> sound effects. I've, oh, I've done yeah. that before. I've recorded once, I think, I can't remember which show on the Long Box of Darkness where I was had laryngitis. And it sounded as Oof. if, you know, some demon, you know, some um, Pazuzu... <laughs> <laughs> from the exorcist had you know um possessed me so billy then um and oh yeah and then you know on uh, my front basically we also had some stuff to do we moved into a new place yeah, yeah. congrats yeah. but nobody <laughs> likes to move billy i'm telling you oh it yeah, sucks moving part sucks yeah oh yeah. man really it, I, and especially since we're on a third floor apartment and mm -hmm. there's no elevator you know, so Oof. of course we got the delivery guys to do the heavy, heavy lifting, but, yeah. um, you know, all the other stuff, the boxes and the books, especially the books, I wouldn't trust those delivery guys to just no. roughhouse my books. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. Mm, yeah, it was hell, but you know, things have settled down now. <laughs> so we're back listeners and, um, uh, uh, to let you know what we're going to be doing, um, in response to our previous ep episode entitled The Wicked and the Weird, Billy, where you and I did our wacky list of Bronze Age villains, I think mm -hmm. that was episode 11, yep. um, we specifically, we got some feedback from, from three people. Actually, we got feedback from quite a lot of folks, but three of those uh, listeners, those allies of Agamotto, they sent in uh, five, just like our lists consisted of five top wacky Bronze Age villains. They sent in five lists. And then, you know, we specifically asked them to expand their lists and tell us more about it and why they liked it. And they did. So this is yeah. our first full-fledged feedback, which we, you know, got, which could literally be counted in pages and pages of, <laughs> of <laughs> Word files or PDF pages, you know. So... Uh, specifically, we asked three of our mates on Twitter, uh, Ryan Daly uh, from the Fire and Water Network. Everybody knows him. He recently appeared on, uh, you know, our Halloween episode, right, Billy? Yep. And he's a friend of the show. And we listen to all of his shows. We also asked Slangword Scott, the master of the burn, the Twitter burn. <laughs> he suffers no <laughs> fools on Twitter. <laughs> And um, he's also a recipient of one of our Bronze Age alter egos because he gave us a, mm -hmm. a good review on iTunes way back. And we asked yeah. him, and he sent uh, his list as, along with, with Ryan. And then um, one of our other Twitter buddies, um, we every now and then we interact with him. Um, and then he disappears for a while, and then he comes back. And every time he does, it's, it's worth it because this guy knows his stuff. Sphinx Magoo! <laughs> <laughs> good old sphinx <laughs> yep 
uh, he's probably the one who, who gave the most comprehensive feedback because, yeah, he added his personal thoughts. He added um, links to the characters he was talking about, links to individual appearances and issues. And, <laughs> and then, of course, a bit of uh, philosophy, <laughs> comic book philosophy <laughs> along the way. So yeah. thanks for that, Sphinx. And thanks, Ryan and, and Scott as well. So because of their lengthy feedback, Billy, you and I have decided to do a whole episode about their wacky Bronze Age villains. Because unlike our own, these are totally, you know, guys that we didn't even think about. I mean, I might have considered one or two of them, but looking at the feedback, they're definitely on on par with the ones we picked. Or, or wouldn't you agree? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, one of them right away, I thought, oh, yeah. And I thought to myself, thinking back, I'm surprised you didn't pick him for obvious reasons we'll discuss. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, but, um, um, yeah, all three guys, good guys, and I'll pick some really interesting characters. Little tiny bit of overlap with them as opposed to you and I, but uh, still some really, <laughs> really good candidates <laughs> for wackiest villains. <laughs> <laughs> I think they also, because they listened to our episode 11 and they also went specifically out of their way to not pick any of the ones that we did. Yeah. And that was nice of them because that, you know, provides more um, subject matter to discuss for us, Billy, on the show. <laughs> yeah. And it was fun yeah, revisiting these guys. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I The first thing I did was once uh, you had sent me the list, I uh, took to the the, the the boxes here in mm. my uh, house and uh, checked out because I knew right away I had a few of them, you know, if not first appearances, early on appearances of a lot of these characters. And uh, yeah, it, fun revisiting. And one, there's like, just like for you, there was a couple too that I thought, oh man, I I feel like, oh, I should have picked those couple guys. Like, oh, it's like, man, if I would have done a top 10, at least two or three <laughs> would have been on the top, my top 10 from what these guys sent in. Oh, definitely, definitely. Like, um, me too. I went into the long boxes. I tried to pull out individual issues. Some I didn't have, but I had it in trade form uh, or mm -hmm. in the Marvel Epic collections, and I had to go searching through those. But it was kind of fun, you know, because yeah. along the way, you know, as you're paging through these things, you see something you want to read, so you read it, and then eventually you get to the issue that you need. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I was... Um, pleasantly surprised how much a, a chore suddenly turned into an afternoon or two of fun <laughs> yeah and then also there were a couple of characters that i'd never heard of so it was awesome for that too to be like wow i never heard of this character because they were in books i hadn't read yet so it was really cool that's right specifically i've got two billy i, I think i mentioned this off mic when we spoke about doing the show there's two that i have absolutely no history with the rest i know and some I have a deep history with, but most of them I just, I've read them. But, um, and, and then I must uh, mention that Sphinx also gave some honorable mentions, which we're going to be, and I think Ryan too, and we're going to yeah. be talking about those honorable mentions too, but not as in-depth as we would the, the main guys on their lists. Right. But, um, you know, and, and uh, this uh, brings forth f another question, Billy. Like, I think you and I mentioned it on episode 11. There aren't any, uh, except for Ruby, you know, um, uh, from, you know, the headmen, there, yeah. uh, Ruby Thursday, there aren't a lot of females on these lists. No, which is, which no is, not at all. Which is weird. Yeah, sometimes I wonder about that. I think, oh, I mean, the 70s, you did have some 
uh, you know, female actresses coming into prominence in some wild movies, you know, like Pam Greer and people like that, mm. action movies and stuff like that. But if you really think about it, I can't think of anything that would have influenced any of these writers to make a, you know, a new character, a, a bizarre villainous character that was a female. It just, yeah. I don't know if it would work for those stories at that time. You know yeah. I mean? Now, hey, whatever, everything's kind of crazy right now. But back then, I kind of feel like, eh, I don't know what would have actually worked. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying the writers were tiptoeing around the issue. I know, you know, they weren't really careful about representing the <laughs> ladies, so that couldn't have been it. But um, I think they just, you know, were focusing on, they, they were associating weird with, with the guys, with men with male yeah. characters and the females were you know either sexy or femme fatales or they were you know the established marvel characters which you couldn't really touch or, or make too many changes to so yeah. um yeah but that was interesting you know looking over these lists and thinking about that but uh listeners without further preamble i'm going to quickly just recap our lists billy you know you and mm -hmm. i you know for listeners yeah. who might not or for first-time listeners, I know if you download podcasts uh, or if you're new to a podcast, the first episode you get is the latest one. <laughs> so for all those listeners who, who don't want to go back and listen to episode 11, I don't know why you wouldn't because that was a, a fun episode. Um, we're quickly going to mention what we picked, right, Billy? Yeah, Okay. Yep, so absolutely. I'm going to start with you, okay, because your list, I think, was better than mine. <laughs> Uh, your number five was Alf with a Gun, <laughs> Steve yeah. Gerber from the Defenders, and number four, Doctor Glitter Knight. Um, <laughs> also, listeners, you can check out sinkintotheweird.com if you want images of these guys. It's it's insane. And then number three, the Mandrel, <laughs> another mm -hmm. Gerber creation. <laughs> just go to any zoo and look for a Mandrel, and you know, just imagine putting some clothes on him, and you'll you'll get the look of this guy. Uh, uh, Nebulon, the celestial man. Yeah. You just um, throw a bucket full of uh, gold paint on a BG, um, maybe Barry Gibb, and you've got Nebulon, <laughs> disco era <laughs> cosmic entity. Also a little bit Lovecraftian, if you think about it. Well, yeah. Eventually, when you figure out what he's really all about, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> That's right. And then Billy, your uh, favorite, and dare I say, the best. You know, among oh. the you know every all the picks, even mine included, the Tatterdemalion. <laughs> Ooh, scarecrow-looking figure, but he's so much more than that. Yeah, um, he's he's always going to be my favorite. I still need to get the single issue of his first appearance, though. Um, oh, yeah. I have it in trade, but I don't have the a single issue. I, I really want it bad because the trade I have is black and white, essential. So right. I, thought, oh, I really want to get that first. I actually want to have all of his appearances which isn't that many to be honest but I, I still need a couple more to be there well if they ever make an action figure billy i'll know what to get you for christmas <laughs> oh yeah we, you know what's going to happen is once i get all of his appearances i'm actually going to start a group of uh, uh maybe uh, I don't know if on facebook or somewhere or on twitter or something like that where i'm going to say i'm the president of the tattered a million fan club <laughs> appearances like nobody's going to call me out so why don't you open up another twitter account let's talk tattered alien <laughs> oh I man. might i'll follow you <laughs> i think the rest of the list let's talk community on twitter might be what the f <laughs> I, I might get shunned yeah <laughs> jeez most of those folks are way younger than we are so you know 
Uh, they're well, yeah, they might shun us in any way. <laughs> yeah, not only are they way younger than us, but some of the time I think to myself, half the time they don't even talk about whatever the let's talk about. Their <laughs> the account is named after, and I'm thinking, uh, I don't know if that's the best name. Like maybe you should have like had a personal account where you talk about that <laughs> stuff, and then the let's talk should just be about the character. But hey. Yeah. Call me crazy, I guess. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. You know, for, um, speaking about that, sorry, listeners, before I get into my list, I kind of like that every now and then when, like you and I, Billy, we follow guys for comic books and for mm-hmm. related media, for, you know, movies and stuff like that. We we follow those accounts. But every now and then when, when one of our old mates throws in something personal, I quite like it, you know. But yeah. it's a completely different thing when it's someone you follow for the first time. Let's say, let's say you talk, you follow. Let's talk Kang. <laughs> Trust me, <laughs> listeners. I've got a history with this, with this Twitter account. <laughs> anyway, and and suddenly, you know, you you don't know this guy from from anybody, and you follow him because you want to talk Kang or you want to talk some Avengers-related storylines with Kang, and then this guy yeah. starts saying. Oh damn! I broke up with my girlfriend, and oh man, my you know my dog just died. Of course, you know you'll commiserate, but um, you don't really know this guy. So you're like, okay, okay, get back to the Kang stuff. Yeah, <laughs> now absolutely. That's, stay on stay on target, like you said in Star Wars. Stay that, on target. That's right. Mention something at least about how you're going to be traveling into the past to save your dog's life soon, or something like that. You know, tie it in with your character. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm being needlessly cruel here, listeners. I don't really mean this. I'm just saying that, you know, with the Let's Talk people, yeah, like you say, Billy, they're sometimes off topic. But, you know, the ones I do follow now, you know, they're they're pretty on point. Um, yeah. You know, so so I've weeded out sort of <laughs> the ones that really, that, that like you say, treat it as uh, personal or political accounts, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, what I've done, too, is I noticed, too, some of them are very good. If I post something that's related to their Let's Talk account, and especially right. if I, I tweet something and I hashtag it, they're mm. all over it. They interact and they're, they're real good about that. Mm. So that's always cool. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, I don't want to say anything negative about those guys because actually a lot of them do follow us, right, Billy? And we follow them too. I, yeah. don't, I don't know about you. Yeah, I yeah. always follow back when it's a comic book account. No matter who it is, yeah. you know. Well, yeah, yeah, well yeah, sometimes yeah. I'll if, if there's some political message on there on their homepage that I don't like and their comic book account, I'll still unfollow them because, you know, like, how, how, could you, how could you call yourself Superman fan number one, but you say, okay, white nationalism rules on your page? You know, like, I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, do you know who Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster were? Damn, sorry, listeners, we went off on a tangent here, but I, I yeah. think it's, it's, it's a poignant uh, you know, thing that we talk, mentioned here. So, um, listeners, but to get back to my list, um, it pales in comparison to yours, Billy, um, <laughs> because I cheated. If I think about this list, I cheated twice. <laughs> First with my number five, Diamond Head. I picked the Nova villain and an old Captain America villain who's like a pimp. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> I should have had best of seven. You know, uh, but, you know, this guy's basically two and one. And then number four, Kalazuma. And yes. um, we'll have another Defenders. Uh, he's a Defenders villain or a Doctor yeah. Strange villain first and foremost and then became a Defenders villain. Later on, we'll talk another Defenders villain. Right, Billy? When we get to, oh, yes. to the list of the um, our allies. <laughs> That's going to be fun. And yeah. then 
I picked as my number three Slitherogue from yeah. you know Skull the Slayer. He's a crazy, crazy character. And then, of course, one of our personal favorites, Billy, the Fool Killer. Yes. <laughs> Steve Gerber creation again. You know, again, listeners, I'm going to comment on the fact that there's so many Gerber creations who fall, uh, fall under the banner of totally crazy and, um, you know, totally whack. <laughs> yep. He's just the master of creating those guys. And then um, my favorite being another cheat, the headman, uh, consisting of, earlier we mentioned her name, Ruby Thursday, and then Dr. Jerry Morgan, Shrunken Bones, <laughs> Dr. Mm-hmm. Arthur Nagin, the Gorilla Man, <laughs> and, um, you know, Chandu, the mystic. Don't forget about him. Uh, yeah. All of them have some head-related injury that led to their... Issues. Yeah, issues. <laughs> <laughs> led to their powers. Oh, man, that's brilliant. So I love the Bronze Age, especially the villains. Oh, yes. So, Billy, are you ready to start talking about these three... Uh, amazing lists that we happened upon yes absolutely let's do it okay i'm gonna get the ball rolling but um, first i do have to just quickly note that um, you know we're gonna make uh, we're gonna do it the same way we did uh, episode 11 we're gonna follow the same podcast format where we mention number five first right billy and then we talk about uh-huh. um, first we'll talk about sphinx magoo's number five and then we'll um, compare that to uh, Ryan's number five and so forth and um, proceed on to Scott's number five and then we'll play them off against each other and, and sort of, you know, give our own uh, two cents and maybe say who we prefer, <laughs> who wins the battle of the fives, <laughs> the battle of the fours and so forth. So, um, okay, let's get into this. First off, um, I'll start with old Sphinx. Uh, as his number five, Sphinx picked the Griffin. Oh, man, this guy, I'm telling you. I, I kind of think of him, you know, in the same line as the Mandrel, you know, because he's also an animal kind of related supervillain, although the Mandrel's yeah. look is way crazier. The Griffin, though, Billy, he's pretty crazy. Do you have any uh, history with this guy? Or Yeah, the only thing, I don't have hardly any of those... Um lower numbered amazing adventures where he first popped up because when i see them i don't know what it is they're expensive i don't know if there's something like key about them or what but you know the ones like what is it like number 11 or whatever where it was the beast yeah after he left the x-men and stuff i i have no clue why but they're always expensive so i have read very little of those but the first time i ever saw him was in uh, marvel team up and i think it's spider-man and wonder man team up yeah uh, against him and i was just like looked at the comic and i'm like spider-man and wonder man who i thought was dead but at that point i'm like how did this guy come back and then i'm like and they're fighting a flying lion yeah yeah (laughs) i'm like okay i'm in (laughs) exactly (laughs) i mean obviously you know a griffin being a mythological creature you know um uh, you might have an idea listeners of what a griffin looks like in your mind it's this mix between a lion and an eagle you know, and um, I think, don't there also appear in some Harry Potter, you know, books and movies? I think that might be a griffin. I'm not sure. I can't remember. It might be a hippogriff. It might be a hippogriff. Who knows? But this griffin guy, he's more humanoid looking, at least during his first appearance. And, you know, he was created by Steve Englehart and Tom Sutton. 
So Sutton was penciling that issue of Amazing Adventures. I think it was um, Amazing Adventures Volume 2, number 15. And that's from uh, November 1972, right, Billy? So yeah. he was a foe um, intended to become a mainstay um, in the Beast uh, title at that time. He was helming Amazing Adventures. And um, I, I really enjoyed his look. Um, I didn't read Amaz Amazing Adventures until much later in my life, you know, so because, yeah. um, but I liked the look of him. However, you know, my first encounter with the Griffin was in the 1990s during John Byrne's Namor run, Namor the Submariner, when he did the penciling and writing on, on the newly relaunched re series for Namor. And, um, you know, I encountered the Griffin. I don't know, Billy, did you read that that run? <laughs> no, I didn't even realize he had anything. I knew he popped up uh, like the mid-late 2000s, I think. Didn't he some, somewhere doing something crazy? Um, okay, that, I, I didn't, didn't read that. He was around. Yeah, I didn't read any yeah. of anything. I, I know he was probably in the New Avengers... Uh, probably the first issue of New Avengers where the prison break happens. I think he was yeah. on on in the vault, or uh, yeah. that's the name of the prison in in the, the water. Raft. The, raft, the raft. Sorry, the raft. Yeah, sorry. That's where the prison break happens, and and then the New Avengers are assembled to to recapture those supervillains. And he was yeah. one of them. I saw him there. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he might have made a brief appearance on the Marvel uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon, maybe. Oh, wow. You know, just in the background. I, I'm not sure. But, you know, I I was ignoring him at this point in time because the greatest version for me is, like I say, that Namor version where, listen to this, Billy, this, this is suitably crazy. Even this is beyond the Bronze Age. Um, Namor has lost the power of flight. You know, he's lost his ankle wings at that point in time, um, be, you know, because of some accident. And then, um, the, <laughs> for some reason, he's attacked by a fully... A, a full griffin. This is now the griffin who's mutated. Um, we'll run through his history just now, but he's basically, he was surgically mutated into this griffin-like form. Now, he's since fully mutated in this Namor run to be a full-on griffin. So he's a lion with wings, a real lion with wings. Plus, he's only got animal intelligence. So he's not oh. coherent. You know, as, you know, he doesn't have his human consciousness. He attacks Namor. Namor subdues him by riding him like a bronco <laughs> in the clouds because, of course, Namor's lost the power of flight. So, you know, as he grabs onto the mane of this griffin, the, you know, he takes to the air and Namor's pulled up into the sky. And then, you know, hey, after Namor tames him, he solved the problem that he doesn't have the power of flight anymore. Problem solved. That's it. <laughs> now he's got oh, wow. this griffin to ride around. And the thing even licks him and treats him like a, you know, like his master. Like this is Namor's new pet. <laughs> wow, you know what that makes me think is, Byrne was in the Marvel offices and he found an old desk drawer and opened it, and there was some, you know, like an old, a joint from like the seventies or something or some acid <laughs> laying around, like leftovers, and that's what he used. <laughs> uh, Steve Englehart's blunt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, something, man. <laughs> 20-year-old blunt. Whoa. Yeah, something must have happened to John there to, to come up with that. Because if I think about John Byrne, I don't really think wacky concepts. No. Not always. He's usually a, a straight man. Yeah, but that, oh, man. He definitely played it for laughs or something. Or maybe he was trying to be serious. Then afterwards, he thought, what was I doing there? 
<laughs> because looking back on it, even now as a reader, when I read it at the time, I was also thinking, what is happening here? Uh, but back then, I took things more seriously. I was thinking, this cannot be happening. First, you make Namor lose his ankle wings, which is a definite no-no in my book, and then you do this to him. You know, and yeah. then, but you know, it worked out. I, I really dig that run. That was for me the last great thing. That that's now just personally that I'm thinking. I also enjoyed She Hulk by John Byrne, but I think the last, uh, you know, great thing for me personally that he did was that Namor series. Yeah. In the '90s, so the Griffin Man suitably appropriate <laughs> addition to this list of wacky Bronze Age villains. <laughs> <laughs> for sure <laughs> so just to give the the listeners a little bit more info billy um we mentioned his first appearance and who created him but his um we didn't mention anything about his uh you know uh origin basically this this guy the griffin his real name was johnny horton and mm -hmm. and you know he was a criminal and he worked for the organization the secret empire and you know then yeah. he they transformed him into a supervillain surgically you know, so it's kind mm -hmm. of like forced mutation. And yeah. they specifically did it with the psychological, uh, they wanted the, you know, the psychological effect of this uh, mythological griffin to mm -hmm. obvi obviously be his edge in battle, um, you know, in addition to his physical, you know, improvements. So, right. yeah, basically half lion, half eagle, half... Oh, well, I should say <laughs> one, one third uh, human, one third eagle, one third lion guy. And then he, yeah. he fought the beast and, and angel, I think, in his first appearance. So, wow, yeah. love it. Love, love old Johnny Horton. <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. So let's go to the, to the number five of Ryan Daly. Okay, Billy, now, Ryan, you know, we know him. He knows his Bronze Age stuff. I was surprised to find that, you know, on my recent um, uh, episode on the Long Box of Darkness I did with him where we talked Tomb of Dracula, you know, I found out while I was interviewing him that he was originally a Marvel fan and then he sort of transitioned towards DC because if you think about the Fire and Water Network, they mostly do DC stuff. You know, yeah. which I love because I'm, I'm also a DC fan. I never put myself in any one camp when I was a kid. And it seemed like Ryan did at first. He was a, a Marvel fan and then he became a DC fan. And then now he's a fan of both, you know. So I always thought that he was DC first and foremost. I don't know why. I just think of all the, <laughs> the Fire and Water Network guys that way, which, which is unfair. But um, Ryan chimed in with a very obscure villain whom I had no, you know, contact with ever, not at all. And he is Ryan's number five, the Grinder. <laughs> Vaguely sexual overtones in that name, <laughs> at least in yeah, I, modern times. I have times. never heard of this guy either. Well, you know, the funny thing is, Billy, listen to this, man. Before we go into his history, I actually have that Spider Woman issue. Can you believe it? Oh. I don't know why. Oh, I wow. think it's because I picked it up in bulk at some or or in a, a stack, you know, of comics on eBay once, um, maybe ten or so years ago. Because there was a time when I was sort of into some issues of Spider Woman because it involved the Dark Hold, you know, and mm -hmm. and I'm always hunting down these horror related Marvel issues, and Spider Woman had yeah. this mystic connection. Um, unlike Spider Man, she's she's more you know. Uh, supernatural sometimes at least her comic mm -hmm. book was so yeah. I was like looking for 
through my Spider Woman stack if I to see if I have this, and I in fact do have it, but I never read it until oh. last night. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, listeners, just let me give you a visual of this guy, the grinder. He's definitely he has to be on anybody's wacky Bronze Age villains list. Just okay. He was um, drawn by Steve Leahola. I think that's how you pronounce his name, Billy. Um, yeah, Leahola. Yeah, Leahola. Yeah. And um, he's kind of a good penciler. He's got this flowing, freeform kind of style, which I dig. You know, kind of Tom Sutton-ish. Not really Tom Sutton, but what I mean is he doesn't always stick to these rigid, you know, John Byrne type, you know, lines where every character you can see looks consistent. So some people might find that a detriment. I don't. I like that. I like the, you know, the fact that sometimes the artist has this this style, kind of like Bill Sienkiewicz too. You know, we love him. So, yeah, like a little more abstract yeah. on the abstract side. Mm -hmm. But I think this was Leia Loa do, doing it more by the numbers. You know, the the characters all have mm -hmm. these um, uh, adequately proportioned bodies. And this guy, the grinder, he was a, a supervillain pitted against. Spider-Woman at the behest of this um, uh, crime boss called Rupert Doherty. And Billy, just this guy's visual is crazy. Basically, he looks like... Um, okay, the, the main feature that he has is he, he wears the suit of armor and then he has this uh, pink and green and blue color scheme. <laughs> and he's got this helmet. And uh, then on top of the helmet, there is a whirling saw blade and and that saw blade can cut through anything you know they say it can cut through titanium like it cuts through tin foil so he uses yeah. that to rob banks and cut through the vault doors but get this the saw blade can also serve as a helicopter propeller <laughs> yeah i'm not sure about the science behind that one oh, but that's okay we'll roll with it crazy man it's so crazy and then it can detach and you know he can hurl it at people and then it will will fly back probably magnetically and and reattach itself to his head <laughs> but yeah. this guy i think he only had this one appearance because he literally spider woman takes him out in two pages in in less than 10 oh, panels yeah. she takes him out she uses uses uh, basically fights fire with fire she grabs a saw blade you know um and then which was lying around probably from a construction site or something and she hurls it at him and then <laughs> it, it you know damages his rig on his back which controls the saw his saw and then he falls out of the sky and she has to catch him and then she just hands him over to the to the police <laughs> <laughs> ah, sounds like a oh, an man. issue of uh, Spidey Super Stories, like Thanos getting arrested by the cops. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, well, okay. This this <laughs> this is not that crazy, you know. But it's almost <laughs> on par with that. I mean, and listen to the to the line Spider Woman utters when when this guy falls. He thinks he's falling to his death, right? And she just like uh -huh. with her spider strength, obviously she catches this guy. But he should have broken his back at least. And she says, "Stop screaming, you crybaby! I'm here to catch you." <laughs> <laughs> and she's she's uh, got a bit of uh, spider-man humor in there which is not something i always associate with spider-woman yeah, <laughs> she's more serious but anyway so uh very worthy um entry into our wacky bronze age villains list but yeah you For you sure. had no history with him at all right right billy yeah no uh -uh. no i never even heard the name there's like i said there's a couple people on here i never even heard their names that's one of them 
And yeah, there's one more that we'll talk about later that I'd never even heard the name. Awesome. No. Well, I mean, that's Ryan's number five. And um, yeah, I have to thank Ryan because I've never heard about this character. But now I'm glad I did because it, that issue was a blast to read. Um, before I forget, Billy, I do have to mention something a little bit um, more informative about the grinder. Um, his first appearance was in that Spider-Woman issue. And um, yeah. let me just quickly call it up here on my, my note app. He, uh, I don't think he appeared again, ever. I'm not sure, but um, I, I doubt it. However, this he was created by Steve Lealoha and um, uh, Michael Fleischer. Yep. And um, that and that his first appearance was in fact in Spider Woman number twenty six, and that was from May nineteen eighty. So mm-hmm. a smack dab in the Bronze Age, <clears throat> and um, yep. I'm gonna. I, I'm hoping someone might do something with him again one day. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> listeners, let us know because I didn't go into the Marvel wikis or anything, um, except for one character, which I did. In fact, I will mention later when I did check the Marvel wikis because Billy, you and I, we like to pride ourselves on our knowledge. So we would rather go back to the original issues if we have them, or go to Marvel Unlimited or something to 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 read the appearance of this guy or yeah. or gal by ourselves rather than just read off someone's you know uh, words on a wiki page but i yeah. must mention listeners later on there is a character i did that with i'll i'll tell you why later um but you know the grinder i had to read up on him because he he looked great just his visual alone okay yeah so billy then we've got uh slang word scott and Scott mm-hmm. has uh, his number five pick, and um, that is Piranha Jones. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, I'm also going to mention that he he sort of cheated like I did with my list. Do you remember when I did Diamond Head? Piranha Jones yeah. slash the Piranha, plus an honorable mention to Mr. Fish. <laughs> so for some reason, Scott heaped them all together. But basically, it's Piranha Jones and the Piranha. They kind of share the same name. So, Billy, I'm going to let you speak about uh, Piranha Jones first. I I know you mentioned you'd read that issue of Luke Cage (laughs) where he appeared. Take it away. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's an issue where not only is it the Piranha, but it's also uh, the cockroach uh, (laughs) attacking... uh, Luke Cage, uh, Luke Cage number 30. Yeah. And it's uh, Don McGregor, Rich Buckler, Arvell Jones, and Keith Pollard. And uh, they have uh, uh, Luke Cage, you know, trussed up on, uh, I think it's like the side of a bridge. He ends up getting loose and then has to fight both men. And it's just hilarious because he's fighting the cockroach and these other masked villains. And he's going to town on them. And then all of a sudden, he thinks he's got the upper hand. (laughs) And there's a panel where you see the piranha comes up from behind and grabs him and tries to bite his neck. And Luke Cage's line is, Sweet Christmas, what are you, man? Some sort of freaking vampire? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, classic. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's great. Oh, no, love it. And the guy just keeps trying to bite Cage, which really doesn't work, you know, because his skin is, you know. Yeah, steel hard. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it, bullets won't go through it. So what do you think you're going to bite through it? You know what I mean, it ain't going to happen, dude. But it's funny seeing this guy just constantly trying to bite him, bite his neck, bite his head, bite his arm. Like, 
almost like a dog. <laughs> yeah. You see, I, I don't have that issue. I don't have issue 30, which is his first appearance, right? And that's, uh, he was created by Don McGregor, uh, Rich Buckler, Buckler, and Arvel Jones, right? Billy, for, who were the creative team on Luke Cage, Power Man at the time. And this was when it, when it became, well, it was already Power Man. Uh, I have issue 31, though, which is the culmination of the battle. You know, in my possession, yeah, yeah. that is a great issue too. <laughs> so yeah, uh, his first appearance of Piranha Jones, April 1976. Uh, real named uh, is Raymond Jones, right, Billy? And <clears throat> yeah, he seems to be, I mean, also a surgical villain, if you can call him like that. He was enhanced by surgery. I think his teeth were replaced with these uh -huh. um, artificial, but much stronger, probably metal fangs. And uh, yeah. kind of like Jaws from the James Bond movie Moonraker and Spy Who Loved Me. <laughs> oh, yeah. But except Jaws has these, you know, normal flat teeth. You know, I don't know how Jaws can <laughs> just from the force of the bite alone, he can bite through a cable car's cable. I don't know how he does that. But this guy's got more like fang-like you know, metal dentures, yeah. if you can put it like that. And, um, <laughs> you know... Um, yeah, that's his main power. He doesn't really have super strength, although the way he fights Cage, it definitely looks like he's super powered, you know, because he, yeah. he can sort of hold his own against Luke for all of a couple of seconds, <laughs> yeah. which is what, way more than a normal guy could do it. Yeah. But, but the Roach, you know, his co-star in uh, issue 30 and 31, man, this guy's, <laughs> he should have been on people's lists as well. This guy's... A yeah. freak. He's got a, a six-barreled shotgun that he has a personal attachment to, right, Billy? I, I can't. Yeah. I, do you remember that he has a name for her? I'm also. I'm, I almost said Lucille or something. <laughs> no, it's not Lucille. I forgot. But at one point in time in the issue, they end up kidnapping Cage because you know he's been uh, weakened by this explosion. And then, um, you know, they take Cage to this mansion, you know, because Piranha's a rich guy. Um, uh -huh. He's even got this, uh, you know, sort of like a James Bond villain. He's got this pool, a glass-covered pool of piranhas <laughs> in his living, in his dining room, right? Uh -huh. And then, you know, they tied Cage up and, and had him over for dinner, basically, putting him at this table, and then eventually he recovers from the explosion, you know, which which um, weakened him earlier. And then he... Oh, oh, okay. No, I'm on that page now. I'm just paging through the comic here. Per, uh, Roach calls his six-barrel shotgun Josh. Josh, <laughs> Josh, yes. And Cage, there's a, a couple of panels where he breaks this shotgun into little pieces, <laughs> you know, and then Roach... <laughs> is heartbroken and he even uses it as a as a baseball bat to swat roach uh, you know across the room just before he did that and then you know he, he him and piranha they get it on and they fight and dive into the pool of piranhas and cage you know takes him out but there's this great panel billy where uh piranha's actually chomping on cage's neck and it seems to be working because he's he's drawing some blood and then you know Cage just ends up Sal Buscema punching him <laughs> because Sal <laughs> drew this issue. And then, you know, he, he takes out Piranha. So very interesting. Oh, it's an amazing issue. So uh, Piranha Jones, <laughs> everybody, there you have it. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. And then mm -hmm. uh, Billy, now this is one of the characters I don't have much familiarity with. The second Piranha, who's a Namor villain. Uh, do you know anything about this guy other than what we found online? No, not much. I think I actually might have one issue, a subby, where it's like <clears throat> a two-parter or multi-parter or something like that. And one of the issues, you know, he might be in it. But other than just, you know, underwater fight, you don't really learn much about the guy at all. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be a generic <clears throat> Submariner villain, you know, ocean-based. Yeah. Um, you know, they probably thought, okay, we have Tiger Shark, you know, we have Orca... <laughs> <laughs> the killer whale why don't we do I another dangerous yeah i love orc <laughs> I love him. even tiger shark you know i'm kind of a fan of him yeah he's a dick he's but cool. i like the visual for sure oh, yeah definitely. the visual is cool just any character with this giant fin on his back a la mm -hmm. yondu you know the original yondu yeah. from the future guardians of the galaxy i love this giant you know, these characters with a fin on their heads and, and back <laughs> um but um you know uh the piranha's visual though this this guy, the Namor villain, doesn't do it for me. I don't know about you, Billy. He's just no. too crazy looking. Basically, he looks more like a starfish than a piranha. You know, and he's right. he's all red. And, of course, he has mental control over piranhas. And he's also, you know, obviously probably um, of Atlantean or Lemurian descent. Right. And then he's um, menacing Namor in this wreck which I do have the issue, but sorry, listeners, I didn't have time to read it. I, I th quickly glanced through it. And, um, you know, it's in Submariner Masterworks Volume 7. And, um, you know, it's a, it seems to be just a typical Submariner issue, just him, a subby versus an undersea villain. So nothing much that I could say about that. But because Scott picked it, I can see why he picked it, though, because the look of the piranha is very crazy like billy if you look at his mouth he's got this sort of um you know the, a mouth reminiscent of a of a leech you know this uh, yeah. round uh, razor filled maw um studded with with teeth but he never in fact i think wait 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 he does use it against namor i remember now one panel he he actually burrows into namor's chest and draws like a, a gout of blood just spewing forth from from Namor's chest there, so he's definitely a horror type villain. I mean, if I think of the movies like Piranha <laughs> and Piranha Two, I think if I'm not mistaken, James Cameron directed Piranha Two. <laughs> His early know, days could be um, back in the day. That is there, yeah. crazy, man. So you know, point being that uh, if if he was played more seriously, I would have been real scared of this guy. But yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, Billy, uh, I think um, uh, I would like to see him, though, in a more serious type role. He might have appeared. Listeners, please let us know in your feedback. Because, like I say, we're, we're not going to go into, you know, the online research where we see where he's made other appearances. We're just going to talk about our personal, you know, encounter with this guy. And my mine is through <laughs> that Namor issue, which I didn't have as a kid. I only picked it. I only read it. Or, or glanced through it as I picked up the Masterworks. Yeah. But um, a, a worthy addition, or what would you say, Billy? The visual alone, what do you think yeah, about that? Yeah, it's crazy looking. 
Yeah, it's very crazy looking. So it does fit right in with 70s, that's for sure. No other decade, probably, but yeah. in the 70s, it fits right in. Well, his first appearance was in Submariner 70, you know, and that was May 74. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's when the Bronze yeah. Age really, everybody was trying to outdo everybody else in terms of the characters that were being created. And he was created <laughs> by Marv Wolfman, you know, George Tusca and Vince Coletta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're his creators. So uh, look for him, listeners. You can find him on Marvel Unlimited if you if you even want to bother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the one I have. I think I have issue 70. And it's one of those deals where I feel like it's almost like a, a Hulk 180. Yeah. Where like one of the last two pages or whatever, you see this guy. And then 71 is actually when something really happens. But I don't have 71. I think I only have 70. So it's like, okay, what's this guy all about? So yeah. that's why I didn't know a whole lot about him. Well, he gives a brief recap of where he hails from. He's actually, um, you know, obviously based on underwater technology. He was um, a, a piranha, a normal piranha, you know, but he oh was mutated <laughs> by um, uh, Dr. Dorcas, you know, one of Namor's uh, villains. And he was yeah. mutated into a humanoid. Yeah, in order to oh expressly to to hurt and kill Namor. Like I say, Namor's skin is pretty tough at most times. I mean, it's resistant to most bullets and missiles. And just read any Defenders run, you always see Namor versus a tank, and uh, yeah. you know even a bursting shell. You know can't really harm him. But um, this guy, the Piranha, he's yeah. Like I say, one of those panels, he manages to burrow through Namor's skin and actually draws blood. So wow. Crazy. Yeah, he is a crazy villain, though, just just based on his look alone. <laughs> we'll post images, like I say, listeners. So look for that on sinkintotheweird.com. Okay, Billy, now we're on the fours. But before we get to the fours, who's your favorite of the number fives? <laughs> who gets, who wins the, the no prize? I would have to say <laughs> probably the Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, buddy. That's probably my favorite visual there. Well, okay, I, I'm actually again cheating here because the, the the version of the Griffin I like the most is from the 1990s, you know. So I should yeah. actually maybe amend my pick if I'm thinking about the the Bronze Age Griffin, who's more humanoid looking, suitably wacky. I agree with you, but okay, I'm gonna give it to the Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> A quick alteration to my pick here, listeners. Again, I'm cheating once more, but. Yeah, because, you know, like I say, Billy, when I think Griffin, I think his 1990s Namor version, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so um, the grinder for me and the Griffin for you. Sorry, Piranha Jones. <laughs> I'm almost sad that we didn't have Grant or somebody here <laughs> to, to maybe pick Piranha Jones because that guy, man, <laughs> whoa. Yeah, yeah but, but still a worthy, you know, inclusion, all of these picks. All right, Billy, let's go to number four. Okay, Sphinx Magoo again. Number four, he picked Razor Fist. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is not some German porn character we're discussing here, listeners. Oh, that would be hell. I'm talking... Some snuff film. Yeah, oh, snuff film. Better, yeah. We're not talking that. This is the Shang-Chi villain. (laughs) Razor Fist. Yep. And uh, Billy, do you have any history with this guy at all? Did you read the original issues? No, I have not. And this is kind of sad, actually, because Master of Kung Fu is one of the best Bronze Age titles, no matter who you ask. I have read very little Master of Kung Fu because I usually it was one of those titles where I would see back issues, but I was already 
you know, trying to get something else and complete runs and stuff like that. So I thought, oh, you know, maybe one of these days I'll, you know, grab, uh, start grabbing the back issues for it. Cause you can find the back issues here and there and they're usually not too horribly priced, but I, you know, sometimes we think, oh, I'll get the trade. Not realizing that for a long time they couldn't trade it because they didn't have permission to use a lot of the characters that were in the comics. Yeah, because of uh, basically Fu Manchu, you know, which is uh, yeah. owned by the Sex Romer estate from the the novels. Um, for the for you listeners yeah. who who don't know, Marvel got you know the rights to many characters uh, from pulp uh, the pulp era, um, the nineteen twenties and nineteen thirties. Um, you know, like Tarzan, they got. Uh, no, yeah. no, um, like uh, John Carter from Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They never John actually Carter, got... Warlord yeah, I don't think Marvel ever got the rights to Tarzan. That was more, you know, uh, DC, wasn't it? I think I think Marvel did do a short-lived series, too. I think John Buscema. Oh, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. They did. I never read those. I, I don't know why. Tarzan was a big deal in South Africa when I was a kid. I mean, the paperbacks were even reprinted in Afrikaans, you know, um, uh, one of the local languages. And then... But um, I never got a hold of the Joe Kubert Tarzan. I never got a hold of um, the, the, like you said, the Marvel issues. So uh, it was always sad for me. I was a Tarzan fan, but I was always more John Carter. You know, I loved reading those yeah. novels because it's more science fantasy, which was definitely what I was into. But um, they got the rights to John Carter from Edgar Rice Burroughs. They got the rights to, of course, Conan and Cole and, you know, from Robert E. Howard. And then, of course, yeah. they also got Sex Romer, the rights to his character, Dr. Fu Manchu, um, as a villain. Which, um, I don't know why they just didn't go ahead and use the yellow claw, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, you know, if I think about uh, Fu Manchu, he's, he's got more presence, you know, than the yellow claw, Billy. Because he's coming from this, yeah. this pulp background, so he's got this whole mythology that he pulls along with him. And it's not just him, it's also the other characters in the series. Um, uh, Dennis Nyland Smith, you know, he's, he's uh, yes. the main uh, antagonist, or he's the main protagonist who f uh, battles Fu Manchu in the Sex Romer novels. Um, yeah. You know, I've only read one of the novel novels, you know, the insidious Dr. Fu Manchu, and um, it's not really my cup of tea, you know, just because of the writing style and because of the blatant racism. <laughs> Of, this, of, <laughs> yeah. of uh, Sex Romer, really, this colonial era writer, but um, yeah. definitely a, a great villain. You know, I love Doctor Fu Manchu as a villain, and not because of all the racial elements, right? But I think Marvel kind of steered yeah. clear of that, even though his look in the early issues was definitely stereotypical and and reprehensible, if you think about it. But yeah. but you know, for, for uh, most of it, it was played as if you know oh, Shang Chi being the hero, and of Asian descent, and Fu Manchu mm -hmm. being an Asian villain. You know they were battling each other. It wasn't like you know the Yellow Peril and all of that. It didn't. It started out like that, but then later on, it it became something else. And uh, that's why I love Shang Chi, and and most of that is thanks to Doug Munch. You know, and of course, you know, the Pencilers, Paul Gulacy, and eventually the Brothers Day. So um, those guys transformed that comic. And um, and also, of course, thanks to, to Jim Starlin and, and uh, you know, the guys who came up with it in the 70s. Yeah. But, but Razor Fist, Billy, I mean, this guy, uh, apparently, according to Sphinx, he's had an, a, a modern iteration as well. Because he dies in the Shang-Chi issue. 
Most Shang-Chi villains, oh, okay. in fact, do end up dying. <laughs> Even Fu Manchu dies much later and then is resurrected and then, you know, dies again. So, you know, Razor Fist, he dies. And then, um, according to Sphinx, there's a new version who battles Deadpool and so forth. So I want to check that out. But I didn't go into the wikis again to, to look for that. I, I want to read it. I want to get the issues and I want to read that eventually. But this Razor yeah. Fist, Billy, he was um, uh, a villain who was also... Uh, it's weird how many surgically altered villains are on this list because he's another victim of <laughs> surgery. Well, not uh, gone wrong. I want to say gone wrong, but it's actually gone right because he was specifically created. They, they you know... Um, amputated his arms and replaced them with these razor blades. And then he's also wearing this S&M style costume, uh, you know, reminiscent of the gimp in Pulp Fiction, <laughs> except without the ball gag. <laughs> oh, dude. And then, okay, he was created by Doug Munch and Paul Gulacy. And um, he's an assassin, you know, kind of like a guy trained in martial arts and um, his real name's William Young. And um, basically, yeah, he's got these sword blades. Um, now think about it, Billy. How do you go to the bathroom <laughs> with, with these Good things? Good luck. You got to have servants, you know, attending well, your bathroom yeah. <laughs> excursions. Maybe they, maybe they took care of that when they put the other things on. When they Maybe they put things on and cut things off. You never know. Maybe he's he's got like a... A, a, a bag there now <laughs> just <laughs> exactly exactly so you know i think i think sphinx mentioned that in his comments um that's where i'm getting it from like how the heck would you ever manage to to do like normal stuff like you know eating yeah. going to, well eating might not be a problem you'll be able to slice a, a steak up into little pieces and just <laughs> stab it yep. with the points of your blade you'll be a great sushi chef <laughs> yeah anyway but but this issue billy I, you should read it it's great it's like it's kind of, okay, Shang-Chi, you know, it transitioned into this espionage, James Bond kind of comic, a kind of, around, you know, uh, issue 15 or so. Whereas before it was just Shang-Chi trying to survive day to day in New York City. Um, he, he met up with Dennis Nyland Smith and Reston and uh, Blackjack Tar and those guys and Leiko, his love interest. And then they went gallivanting around the world for MI6. And that's the Shang-Chi stories that I really, really love. I, don't get me wrong. The early ones are great. But um, the, the later ones, of course, is where they establish this mythology of this kind of like James Bond type universe, but um, su almost superior to Bond. Sorry for all you Bond fans out there. But, um, you know, obviously Bond in comics has never translated well. You know, Marvel did an adaptation of Octopussy once and yeah, it just it's not good, right? So, no. and you know, the modern James Bond comics, I tried them, even though the, some of them were written by Warren Ellis. I, oh, I wow. just couldn't, I couldn't stomach them. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? So, yeah. I mean, you have, at one point in time, you have Bond sitting in a cafeteria. Bond in a cafeteria? Billy, this oh, is boy. a guy who goes to casinos, who, to, to expensive five-star hotels. He doesn't live that kind of life. <laughs> yeah, really. That sounds wild. Yeah, it's just crazy. But anyway, this Shang-Chi stories, though, they were like Bond, you know, on steroids, really. And um, it wasn't just Shang-Chi. All of the characters were fully fleshed out by 
Doug Munch, uh, Mensch, I should say. Billy, you and I had a bit of a discussion yeah. about his name. It's in fact Mensch, <laughs> not Doug Munch. I keep calling him Mensch. Yeah, that was right from a, an interview and the person asked him how it's pronounced and that's what he said. So um, that's how I'm going to roll. Okay, no, me too, <laughs> me too. Straight from the creator's mouth. We better stick to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, to get back to this issue though, the, the fight between him and Shang-Chi is suitably epic. I think you're going to like this. I'll post some images um, and you can check them out on, but I'll also send you some directly just to let you see what it what, what it's all about. Basically, Billy, um, he gets uh, he gets his blade arm during the fight with Shang-Chi. It's, he gets his uh, one of his blade arms uh, embedded in a statue. And um, then he's stuck, you know, so that's like Shang-Chi exploiting his weakness, right? Um, Shang-Chi's already managed to snap one of his blades. And then um, he uh, tries to charge at Shang-Chi and there is a statue uh, which he, you know, uh, gets the blade stuck into. And then Shang-Chi mercilessly comes from the back and kicks him in the head. And then the guy... You know, he basically breaks his neck or something or crushes his skull because as Shang-Chi kicks him in the head, he collides with the statue face first, you know? <laughs> and then the statue's head, it, the, the force was so uh, powerful that the statue's head comes off. And this guy, you can see he's bleeding from his head. He, in a, a five silent panels, this guy hangs from the statue. Um, you know, kept there by the blade arm that's Im- embedded in the statue's shoulder. And wow. then Shang-Chi just walks away, leaving this guy to hang there in death. So that is quite an epic death for me, as Shang-Chi deaths go. <laughs> yeah, really. But there, there's some pretty great images. At one point in time, Shang-Chi is still getting the hang of this guy with the blades. He has to defend himself with a chandelier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's great. And then uh, I'm trying to recall what happens. Oh, yeah. Shang-Chi, you know, um, snaps the one blade off by catching it between his two open palms. You know, and then there's mm-hmm. at least five or six panels of, of Razor Fist trying to force this blade through Chang- Shang-Chi's throat. And Shang-Chi then just holding this blade and, you know, using his chi or whatnot to, to keep himself from being impaled. And then he gets the better of old razor fist but what a battle i'm gonna send it to you billy you'll love it cool so a classic definitely all right so um uh, that's it for old razor fist now i'm gonna tell a razor fist story later on because one of um, our allies picked razor fist again higher up on one of their lists right billy so razor fist is one of only two characters who recurs on two lists that we're talking about today listeners so very interesting Showing us that there's some overlap. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, Billy, so uh, that's our first number four. um, Given by Sphinx, Razor Fist. And then we get to Ryan Daly. Now, Billy, I don't know. you (laughs) got to talk about this guy because I have no history with him whatsoever. (laughs) Ryan picked as his number four the Hypno-Hustler from Spectacular <laughs> Spider-Man, I think issue number 24. Billy, take it away. The Hypno-Hustler. <laughs> what does this guy look like? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to figure it, it was right in the, you know, wheelhouse of you know, the disco scene. So there's a, you know, 
Peter and his, you know, crazy leisure suit going to the disco and everything. It's it's incredible. I didn't have it for a long time and wanted it. And when I found it, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't care if it's a couple of bucks or whatever. I'm definitely, definitely getting this issue because uh, it's hilarious. Just the way he looks like it's a dude. He's like got a guitar and he's like in this band and he's got a huge afro and <laughs> you know fighting spider-man and stuff like this it's just hilarious and i mean there's i guess it looked like he was only in the one uh issue it was almost like a one and done but then i was doing some research and it said that he had like 11 total appearances but i think all of them are in the modern age right so i don't know if they're just flashbacks or they're just you know for humor or whatever but yeah the guy would play his guitar and you know look out he's gonna He's gonna hypnotize you with his guitar, I guess. It's it's awesome. I just love his his um, you know, uh, real name Antoine Del Soin, <laughs> or uh-huh. Antoine Del Swan. How how would you pronounce that? But it's got this yeah, French. Yeah, probably yeah. Um, and you know they say he's. Uh, I think uh, as I read up on him, he was created by Bill Mantlo and Frank Springer, mm-hmm. and uh, I I've always doug frank's you know frank springer's art it's it's crazy and um yeah you know uh this this guy the hypno hustler i like i said i, I know nothing about him other than his real name which is antoine del swan but i do have i think it's the marvel masterworks marvel two-in-one um volume two yeah volume two of the marvel two-in-one masterworks i think he appears okay. in that and i do have that one and I've, I don't know why I haven't read that yet because I love Marvel 2-in-1, but I'm more of a fan of the later Marvel 2-in-1s. You know, Billy, I started reading at around issue 69, issue 70, okay. around there. That's when I started collecting Marvel 2-in-1. But, you know, the early Marvel 2-in-1s, I've read the first Masterworks. Uh, there, there's two others out. I've only got number one and number two of the Masterworks. I've yet to read number two. So he's he appears in that, and I'm definitely going to read it right after we've done recording <laughs> to see what this guy's all about. But like you say, he looks he's dressed in this white disco outfit with, you know, this massive afro. And then mm-hmm. uh, what Ryan mentioned was, or Ryan sent this image over over Twitter. Um, he's got this 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 these backup singers called the Mercy Killers. <laughs> the Mercy Killers. Yep, that's his his. He's the lead singer of the Mercy Killers. Brilliant, yep. <clears throat> brilliant. So yeah, thanks for that, Ryan. Another character Ryan got us to. Um, glom onto that we want to know more about because I'm going to read up all of these appearances (laughs) (laughs) okay Billy so let's move on to slang word Scott then Uh Um, Scott for his number four pick he decided to go with uh, a guy that uh, I also am not very familiar with I'm a little bit familiar with him uh, but he's had a couple of iterations Scott went for someone called Animus, who's um, a Captain America villain. But, you know, when I think Animus, though, Billy, I think about the hate monger. You know, because for a while there, the hate monger's name became Animus. But this is a different Animus altogether. Do you know anything about this yeah. This Animus, this particular one that Ryan, uh, that, that slang word Scott picked? Yeah, this guy is... Have you seen um, that episode of, uh, is it Justice League or Justice League Unlimited, where 
they go to like a different dimension and there's this little boy but it eventually it's like an illusion and it winds up being this like little alien looking guy uh, where he's got like a, a like a misshapen head and no i haven't seen that okay well that's that's a really good example of what this nut looks like like this guy looks crazy he almost looks like a little like misshapen alien um because i have the issue his issue where it's a uh, captain america 223 and he's like this little misshapen alien looking guy with a club and then uh <laughs> yeah he can like blast you with these like I don't know if it's right from his brain or what it is. He's got like an oversized brain or what. He's like, you know, can zap you in the head with it. But uh, yeah, he was, uh, of course, Steve Gerber, you know, Captain America, but Steve Gerber. Brilliant. Maybe we might have to uh, look into that one for the show. Down the road. <laughs> Call me Animus. <laughs> Call I me guess. Animus. Dude, I don't even Steve know who Gerber. created him. I mean, so you say it's it's Steve Gerber. He created Steve him. Gerber and Sal Buscema. Yep. Oh, okay. Okay. I need to track that down because this is mm. him and the Hypno Hustler and the Grinder. I should mention <laughs> the Grinder, even though I don't really, you know, uh, lump the Grinder with them because, like I said, I do have the issue of Spider Woman with the Grinder in it. But the Hypno yeah. Hustler, even though I have the Marvel Masterworks, I, I was unaware that he was even in there. And uh, also this guy, Animus. I kind of like him more than the Hate Monger a little. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I like this guy a lot. He's—I mean, I think that might be his only appearance, but that's still—it's still hilarious. It's funny. Now I must mention to the listeners, um, Slangward Scott sent me an image, Billy, mm-hmm. of 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 when he was, you know, uh, letting me know about his pics, and the image mm-hmm. of Animus is him with the little club you mentioned attacking Cap Shield, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. saying something ironic. This is probably because of you know Gerber a Gerberism. <laughs> <laughs> because his name is Animus, <laughs> meaning hatred, you know, hatred, hostility, um, uh, you know, uh, against someone. And yet, in that very panel where he attacks Captain America, he says, uh, my name is Animus. And even though I bear you no uh, hostility, Captain America, <laughs> <laughs> but his very name means he should, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it's great. Um, call me Animus. Yeah, sorry. And bear in mind that I harbor no personal hostility towards you. So he's just... It's just professional. Yeah, professional hostility. <laughs> <laughs> and I love in that image that Sal Buscema drew, the club that he's wielding, that crystal club that you mentioned, Billy, it's got oh. like little gadgets and animatronics and stuff within the crystal, you know? Yeah. And there's like lightning emanating from it. Wow. This guy's just... <laughs> gold on the page i want to read more about him too so thanks for that scott you you could tell this is one of those deals where they were like oh crap you know we don't have anything for cap 223 next month what are we gonna do and then (laughs) hey you know hey steve what do you got here's gerber (laughs) so that is in fact his um you know first appearance is it billy cap 223 okay great great great. i'm gonna hunt that down but like you know you and i uh, were, were talking about that yesterday when we were just um shooting the breeze on Facebook, I'm not really, you know, I don't have a lot of issue, cap issues, you know, and, mm-hmm. and since we've talked, Billy, I've, I, yesterday I looked through, because I've got all my long boxes nearby now, downstairs, because we moved into the new place, I don't have to rely on the storage unit anymore, I was rifling, <laughs> rifling through my cap collection, and I, basically, in the 80s, when I was reading cap, I think it was 1983, 1984, when I was, when I started to collect some of cap stuff, I collected cap 270 all the way through okay. to 291. 
Mm, you know, okay. so, so is that like Mike Zek? Uh, actually, that's um, uh, JMD Mateus and Mike Zek. Yeah, JMD okay. Mateus yeah. was the writer. So I've got some of the Grunewald stuff, which I enjoyed, but you know, um, you 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 said you're not much, uh, a huge fan of 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 the Grunewald stuff, even though you know it is epic. It doesn't hold up to the new modern stuff, you know, done by Brewbreaker and things like that. I would I would agree. Like if I think of my favorite Cap issues ever, it will probably be Brewbreaker and Steve Epting's you, uh, you know Winter Soldier arc. So yeah. listeners, why am I talking about this? Because you know I just want to let you know that I don't have much experience with Cap, so that's why this Animus guy completely went under my radar. <laughs> <laughs> but later billy once we talk about another pick i'm gonna mention my history with cap and my love for the jmd mateus and mike zek cap we're gonna talk about that in relation to another character later but we'll get to that so this animus guy pretty epic now billy let's get to our favorites again uh among these four who's your your pick for the best of the fours <laughs> oh, it's not even close. It's the hypno hustler. <laughs> <laughs> even though we don't know much about him, you know, he has to go for it. Yeah, you see, Razor Fist is very weird. And Sphinx picked a good one there, but he's not he's he's very serious. He's played off as a yeah. killer, a very serious kind of guy. He's he's deadly, he's like a James Bond foe. So yeah, he's not he's wacky for sure, but he's 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 murderous. But um you know yeah. the hypno hustler he's just plain insane <laughs> mm-hmm. and then animus would be my number two so i'm gonna go for the hypno hustler as well billy how could i not <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome gonna read more about him just in, in a couple of hours <laughs> okay billy now we get to the the threes we're on the number threes now we'll, we'll start with sphinx again okay so i don't know how to pronounce this guy's name he's a lovecraft inspired villain i think but I did yes. read him way back when, since I had the magazine as a kid. Uluxul Kwantai Sin. Uluxul Kwantai Sin. <laughs> yeah, let's just roll with that yeah. because I have no clue how to pronounce that dude's name. Yeah, he's a, a Ulysses <laughs> Bloodstone villain. And he first uh-huh. appeared in the Incredible Hulk magazine, the first one, uh-huh. uh, number one. And... Yep. Um, uh, he, I, I had the magazine in its entirety because uh, in uh, Insane Streak of Luck, Billy, as a kid, I picked up all of the issues in one go at a yard sale. And um, now there, there's uh, pro and con to this kind of thing because the yard sale stuff, you might find an entire someone's entire collection, but mm-hmm. it's hor- normally in horrible shape. You yeah. know, So that was the, the, the case. But there were a few issues in there that was, well, I would say, fine. But most of them were, you know, uh, kind of beat up and, you know, torn covers and whatnot and, you know, water stains and, but, you know, uh, readable, all readable. So I had those and I still have them. It's just, uh, you know, now they're bagged and boarded and I hardly ever read them. But I scanned them in about, you know, 10 or so years ago, just for posterity's sake. And, uh, you know, so that's the way I'm, I'm reading them now. I'm on my old scans. So, Billy, this guy, did you have any... I mean, that's my history with him. You know, I read him right after I bought the magazine in the early 80s, uh, the Incredible Hulk magazine. What's your history with this guy? Well, I bought um, two issues, Marvel Presents 1 and 2, because they just look like, you know, 
more horror themed because I had never heard of uh, Ulysses Bloodstone. And I bought these two issues. I think they were from an antique shop, if I remember correctly. Hmm. And I got them for a couple bucks. And I was like, oh, some guy, you know, you know, with a, I don't know if he has a knife or a sword or something <clears> in one hand and a gun in the other hand and this red stone embedded in his chest fighting monsters. I'm like, I- I'm there. Yeah. Um, and then I think it's in the second issue of Marvel Presents where he might mention that guy's name. But then, like you said, it wasn't until the magazines then where you saw him and he was, you know, actually in there. I think maybe Bloodstone might have had a uh, like they, they kind of did one of these like flashbacks where Bloodstone was remembering his own history. Um, yeah. And him and that this Ulixel guy, however yeah. the heck you say his name, uh, fought over the blo- a meteor that crashed to Earth. And, you know, the Bloodstone or Blood Gem, it was called, too, for a while. But. Uh, and uh, back it was back in the Hyborian age uh, when this happened. So That's right. a little uh, little Robert E. Howard Conan action there. Yeah, that we love, you know. Um, yeah. That's a great summary, Billy. Not like um, just to give the listeners more details. Um, this is not the Incredible Hulk magazine, the Rampaging Hulk, and that's number one from January 1977. Now, um, I don't know if this is his first appearance. I think it is. But he might have been mentioned in, in, in previous issues, like you say. But he's penciled by John Buscema and Rudy Nebris in this issue. Mm-hmm. So you know, you, you know you're going to get great art. And like I mentioned yeah. before, he's kind of like this Cthulhu-looking guy. But he's also intelligent. You know, he's got human-like intelligence. He, at least he uses <laughs> human-sounding English phrases when he speaks and when he mm-hmm. rants and raves and makes his plans. So... Uh, he just looks the part of a Lovecraft, you know, monster, but he doesn't act like one because he seems to be more of a planner, you know, even mm-hmm. though he, he can throw down as well when he's cornered. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of like his look because I'm a sucker for, you know, the, the Cthulhu, the Lovecraftian, all of that, Billy, you and me both, right? So now, interesting, yeah, yeah. Sphinx likened him to the Mind Flayers, of the Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, Forgotten Realms universe, kind of the D and D inspired monsters, the Mind Flayers. Okay. So they're underground beings who have telepathic powers, and they normally make slaves of who who they deem as lesser races. Now, I don't have a lot of experience with D and D. It wasn't a big deal in South Africa uh, when I was a kid. You know, role playing games weren't. You know, we were just Pictionary, Monopoly, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. A clue, yeah. but um, you know what was a big deal though when I was a uh, you know uh, young was the Forgotten Realms books by R. A. Salvatore, and specifically the ones uh, featuring Drizzt. You know Drizzt Duarden, the Dark Elf. He's kind of like a fantasy oh, type yeah, hero. Oh yeah, heard that. Yeah. Now you know I I've since fallen off reading those things because when I was a kid I read them to tatters, but there is an excellent. Uh, Drizzt novel where he's like in the underground or the, in the underdark he's trying to survive in the uh, you know the subterranean realms of um, you know the forgotten realms universe and then he encounters these mind flayers and they enslave him and his friend this gnome guy and then um, basically these guys are horror villains Billy they're not only do they look like these horribly tentacled octopus pusses you know octopi they also you know basically sub they they subvert your mind and they turn you into 
a walking vegetable, really, um, subservient to their will, you know, and then you have these very basic animal-like thoughts and needs once, once you're under their control. Yeah. You know, and they also get you to massage them. Ugh. Gross. <laughs> you massage their hive mind like gel, jelly-like jellyfish being. <laughs> it's horrible, yeah, I mean, man. The visual on this guy is he, he looks like almost like a, a carnival sideshow, like strong man. Um, but then if you would cut his head off and replace it with an octopus, that's what this guy looks like. Yeah. A big ripped jacked guy with an octopus head. Exactly, exactly. He's definitely <laughs> muscular. And uh, who draws better muscles than John Buscema? <laughs> yeah, like here's here's this one panel where he's standing there and he's, you know, he's one of these dudes that's like, you know, he likes to talk about how awesome he is. Yeah. And he's like, I am Ulixel Quan Tai Sin. I am power and chaos and destiny. I am also the rightful possessor of the blood gem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, pal. <laughs> Likes to blow his own horn there. <laughs> mm-hmm. ah. I like him, though, because I have those, like I said, I have those uh, Marvel Presents 1 and 2, and then I think I have two of those Hulk magazines where he appears in. But, like, whatever the next story is where it kind of is, like, his last appearance or whatever, like, I don't know if he dies or whatever happens to him, I am missing that one still, so that kind of sucks, but... I'll get it eventually. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's uh, you should pick that up, Billy. I think uh, I love the art in those. You know, especially the rampaging Hulk mm-hmm. magazines. The art is just great. Yes. It's all black and white, but it's just oh, it's beautiful. Great, the way they drew the Hulk. I mean, he w- he looked more mm-hmm. troll-like. You know, kind of like his first mm-hmm. appearances when when Kirby drew him before he became a more you know handsome well um, who would call the hulk handsome but you know <laughs> compared to his first appearance <laughs> what he became in the 70s is, is handsome compared to what he looked like at first he was this large dome troglodyte kind of looking guy but okay that's that's i shouldn't call call him a troglodyte but still he looks troll-like <laughs> in the Poor rampaging hulk. hulk more like a monster more like hey, hey a good analogy would be the new you know um immortal hulk series you yeah. know that that's running at the moment, and uh, that's great. By the way, I actually want to do that on Long Box of Darkness because it's horror. Uh, you know oh, okay. that you wouldn't believe. Yeah, it's it's horror oriented. So you know, Billy, a great pick by Sphinx. Um, I think mm-hmm. Sphinx did this because he knows how much we love these horror type villains, but yeah. he also picked it obviously because he thinks this guy is great, and he is weird looking just based on his vis- visual and his, you know. Um, the style of dialogue alone is definitely a great addition to the weird list. Yeah, and now that you made fun of the Hulk, all I can hear in the back of my brain is that sad piano music from the Hulk TV show. Oh. And he's just walking away, like, tearing oh. up because you made fun of him. <laughs> Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Come on, everybody. Oh, no. I mean, Doctor Strange should apologize to the hulk before i do <laughs> that dude man he just rips yeah, into really. old green skin every chance he gets oh, in the pages yeah, of just, the defenders yeah just wait till we get into the defenders people oh yeah. my gosh the, the, the doc is just the biggest jerk ever yeah hey get over here behemoth <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh oh. like, you big dummy come here like you do come on really you're Horrible. supposed to be his friend damn uh, and Hulk's, Hulk takes friendship very seriously in those pages, man. Very seriously. Yeah. And they just crap all over his friendship. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I have like one of the panels stuck in my head is when something's going on with uh, Valkyrie. 
she must have got hurt or something like that. And Doctor Strange is like, hey, Hulk, like, come on over here. And he's like, no, stupid magician, stay back. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Man, the Hulk, well, Bronze Age Hulk calling someone stupid. Wow, mm-hmm. The irony there. <laughs> but, you know, I'm always on the Hulk's side in those altercations, really. Even though you yep. and I love Doctor Strange, damn, I, I just mm-hmm. root for the Hulk in the pages of the Defenders. Shame. So, great. <laughs> All right, so we've got um, this Uluxal Quantai Sin guy as Sphinx is number three. And then we head on over to Ryan Daly's number three. And again, it's Razor Fist. <laughs> <laughs> So, since we already talked Razor Fist, pardon the pun, to death, (laughs) poor Razor Fist, I am going to mention a story, though, you know, um, from my youth, Billy, when we were all reading Master of Kung Fu, because um, I might have mentioned this on the previous podcast, maybe a guest appearance I did, you know, I was the only kid in my neck of the woods, Billy, that read comic books, really I was, and... You know, after a while, some of my friends, you know, they kept coming over and we we played. And eventually, you know, the play would transition to my room and whatnot. And we, you know, um, play with action figures and and, and the like and G.I. Joe's, Masters of the Universe stuff. And then some of them would rifle through my closets and bookshelves and boxes and they'd find my comics, right? So eventually, since I really wanted to talk about what I was reading with my friends... Uh, you know, I kind of pushed it on them, you know, like, come on, you guys should collect too, you know, and we can like uh, have these reading get togethers and, and all of that and we can discuss it. So I I tried really hard and they got into it for a while. But then what eventually became of my comic book collection is it turned into a lending library. And okay. most of the time it wasn't like, uh, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours, you know, you give me your issue of this and I give you mine. No, it was more like they kept borrowing stuff and never actually adding things to the collection and then they never returned them. <laughs> or if they did return them, it was all messed up. So I quickly pulled the plug on that little enterprise. <laughs> so, but, you know, during that time, we were all reading Master of Kung Fu like crazy. We were into Bruce Lee movies even early Jackie Chan, you know, Shaolin Temple, you know, early appearances of Jet Li. And, you know, basically early 80s, you know, was our Gong Fu craze, even though it was in the 70s in the States, right? Yeah. And also movies like Enter the Ninja and Revenge of the Ninja, you know, all of that stuff. Sho Kozugi, he was a big deal in South Africa. You know, everybody was was buying oh, yeah. ridiculously dangerous things, you know, like Shuriken Stars and... You know, so uh, we were into that. So we were reading Master of Kung Fu and, you know, one of my friends that had read this, this Razor Fist issue, um, issues and uh, they were saying like, okay, we, we're playing G.I. Joe's and he was saying, okay, now I'm Razor Fist. And he was like, I don't even know which Joe he took to be Razor Fist. So, so I was like saying, okay, so, you know, this guy's got blades for arms and I've got a gun. <laughs> right well <laughs> i'm a joe with a gun so this guy i think i had my beachhead which was my favorite joe action figure at the time he was also my favorite gi joe period and i'm like I, I put one of the you know guns in his hand and and this and this kid this friend of mine he made a big deal out of that he was saying no but you're cheating man we're playing shang chi and i've got razor fist you're supposed to be quick kick or or at least snake eyes without his swords come on so I'm like saying, but I mean, we're not reenacting what happened in the comic book. 
you know, are we? And right. he says, yeah, yeah. We, we are. And the, then I said, okay, uh, attack me. And he attacked and I dodged and, and he died. Basically, that's how it happened, right? That's how it happened in the comic book. And then, you know, I'm like, that's it. He's dead. <laughs> so he was very offended. He's like, oh, well, well, you know, if you're going to be like that. So I'm like saying, listen, dude, yes, we're playing stuff in the comic. We're not going to follow it letter by letter. Come on, you know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that's just a little bit of an aside, listeners, from my childhood. This this childhood fight, this altercation I had with a with a friend, <laughs> but it but it turned into quite a serious thing because he he stopped coming around. <laughs> <laughs> but come on, if you if you're gonna be a guy like Razor Fist, and you're a GI Joe, yeah, it's possible. But come on, you're gonna have to pick your battles because you don't yeah. bring a, a knife to a gunfight, right, Billy? <laughs> that was an <laughs> early lesson. For my mate, yeah. but I was also being a dick. I was also being a quite a quite a bit of a, a little bit of an asshole when I was young. So, you know, I I'll apologize for that now. <laughs> but just all all in fun, you know, childhood fun. But I remember he was Razor yeah. Fist. He liked to be Razor Fist. <laughs> he found that character very compelling. So interesting. <clears throat> I I wish I could remember which GI Joe he used to be Razor Fist because I remember we like glued some. Or, or taped some blades to the guy's hands and you know we went all out it was quite quite <laughs> impressive um so you know that's my story of razor fist so ryan you picked razor fist we talked about him uh during our number fours but we'll definitely include him again in the number threes who knows maybe he'll make the second on the list who knows <laughs> <laughs> but before that billy we got to talk about scott's number three which is a guy who's just I don't even want to call this guy insane because it's so off the wall, this guy. I mean, I, I don't know what to say about him, but I'm going to let you go first and then I'll chime in. Slangworth Scott picked as his number three Capricorn from the Zodiac gang. <laughs> Capricorn from the Zodiac. So, Billy, do you have history with this guy at all? Uh, just a tiny bit, but this is another guy where even if you don't care for how the character is written... You just have to appreciate how he looks. Yeah. So uh, he's basically in a dress uh, or, or, <laughs> or a, a super tight shirt with a skirt uh, and little red boots like an elf would wear and a red mask that, I mean, it almost sort of reminds you of the a little bit of like Dick Grayson's mask, like Robin's mask. Yeah. But then on the sides, it has these really high like it almost looks like antennae. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, the best way to like, describe it. Or even like some, like you were talking not too long ago about that one Batman artist that would draw those really tall, crazy, you know, ear pieces of his uh, cowl there in mask. Oh, Who was that artist? Um, uh, Kelly Jones. Yeah. And it's yeah. almost something like as foolish as that, but yeah. yeah. And this is a Roy Thomas and Sal Buscema creation. So we can't even, uh, lean on uh, Steve Gerber's craziness for this one. This is those guys. It was like, you know, uh, uh, during his Avengers heyday, Roy Thomas, you know, so. Now, yeah, yeah. But now, now, I believe that is a, an interesting history because I don't even have the same history with Capricorn. I don't even know if we're talking about the same character here because like I say, I went into my stack of comics and I tried to find where I first encountered Capricorn and I, it was in the pages of the Defenders. Now, I don't even know if it's the same Capricorn. Oh, it could be a different guy. The, no, this is this is a lady. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, I think the first one was this funky-looking guy. Yeah. And then I think the second one was that lady. From and then, Defenders uh, 50. I think, yeah. yeah, and then I think there may have even been a... Uh, uh, a robot version too. Yeah, well, this 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 lady is a robot version as well. She's a life okay. model decoy, and um, you know, uh, basically, I think her this this is from <laughs> Defenders Fifty from what yeah. what nineteen seventy seven nineteen seventy eight. I think it's, it's like or- around the Defenders for a Day story somewhere in there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where basically, like a hundred of them. <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> basically, <laughs> it's like Scorpio. You know. Um, uh, I think that the title of the, the issue was something like Scorpio must die, <laughs> something weird like that. And, you know, um, Scorpio has assembled this um, army of LMDs. <laughs> and um, um, then the defenders, uh, you know, end up, you know, obviously trying to curb his ambitions by joining in battle. And then, you know, Zodiac, during the course of that, she's a lady dressed in, she's suitably alluring and she's dressed in this yellow you know, bikini with this, still with the Capricorn mask, you know, that you mentioned. Yeah. And um, basically there's this, this this throwdown and she ends up dying. Well, if an LMD can be said to die, <laughs> you know, who knows? <laughs> but um, it's interesting because I, you know, don't, that's the only history I have with this character is that she was an LMD. And of course the, the first iteration was a, a male, you know, and the image that, um ryan sent uh or that um uh, yeah i think he sent it on twitter uh, i'm pretty sure um or i should say scott scott sorry that scott Scott sent was him fighting daredevil this is the male version uh, and i think it was penciled by um gene cullen where yeah yeah, where uh, he's fighting daredevil and he's just using these antenna wrapped around daredevil's ankles to swing him around the room <laughs> and i went into my daredevil back issues and i don't in fact have that particular issue because um i do love my gene colon um i'm not the the world's biggest daredevil fan my history with daredevil is more the frank miller era but um i do like daredevil and but I love Gene Colan more, so I would definitely try to find those Gene Colan back issues that he did. But I don't have this one, and I was very very upset that in fact I didn't have it. So that's like one of my future purchases on eBay will have to be that one. That issue, yeah. yeah I mean, I only have maybe three or four Gene Colan Daredevil issues because they're expensive. Like right. If they're in good shape, they're they're not cheap, man. They're oof, they can get really crazy expensive. Like anything under a hundred for daredevil you know i mean in the the gene colon ones when did he go when did he get off of that book like around issue 80 or something like that yeah he was gone for a little while and then he came back for a tiny little bit but yeah he he's oh man those daredevil issues are not cheap and then when you get down to the really low numbers there with like the wally woods and stuff all oh, they're crazy expensive yeah now listeners i forgot to mention this issue specifically that scott sent over the images he sent is from daredevil number 73 uh, so that's yeah. like you say, very early Daredevil. It'll probably be expensive to acquire. And these yeah. days, Billy, I don't like to buy stuff that's anything less than than very good. <laughs> you know, I don't buy good even anymore because that's a subjective, you know, <laughs> term. Um, you know, every every now and then when someone sends me on eBay and a, a, you know a bunch of comics which with good 
yeah, as the rating, I find that it's normally less than good. <laughs> it's normally from bad <laughs> to worse. Uh, so, you know, I, I now just try to buy fine or very fine or, you know, upwards. Yeah. But I'll try to find this issue. Still, uh, great inclusion because of these antenna, you know, <laughs> and and also just his overall look. Um, we're talking specifically, Crazy. listeners, here about the one Scott mentioned, the, the male version of yeah. the Zodiac with the green skin and the yellow uh, <laughs> bodysuit and then the the orange or red antenna coming out of this, this <laughs> mask, this domino mask of his. <laughs> it almost reminds me of like a crazy Star Trek villain or something he would have saw. He looks, he looks kind of like an alien, yeah, or, or something. Yeah. Like he should be an alien, yeah, if, mm-hmm. if, if you get into that. Um, you know, but uh, I don't have anything more to say about this character, Billy, other than the fact that, you know, uh, I'm probably going to find that issue and read up on it and then get to learn more. But, you know, the one that I have, though, the lady version, she was only in Defenders 50. So, you know, yeah. not, not much of an attachment to her. Okay, so Billy, then we get to... Uh, okay, first we should look at the number threes and pick our favorites. Um, for me, it's a done deal. I'm, you probably know who I'm picking, and I probably know who you're picking as well. Just just say it, Billy, if you can pronounce it. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ulixil, <laughs> Quante Sim, <laughs> that crazy guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously... Uh, it's got some Lovecraftian overtones, but now that you mentioned Star Trek, he's got a kind of a Star Trek sound to his name as well. Yeah, you know? well, absolutely. <laughs> Star Trek type of alien name. Yeah, we got to go for this guy, folks. He's the best. Just visually speaking, um, how could we not pick him? You know, being who yeah. we are, Billy, being the horror mm-hmm. nuts we are. <laughs> so uh, then, Billy, we get to our number twos. While we're just flying through this list now. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sphinx picked one that is definitely one of my favorites. He, I don't know why. This is one of the guys that I thought, why didn't we pick him, Billy? Why didn't we pick him as a Bronze Age uh, wacky villain for our lists on episode 11? And this is the nameless one. <laughs> From the pages of the Defenders. Well, that's how I first encountered him. The nameless one. Billy, I mean, speaking about... Lovecraftian villains. He's not really a Lovecraftian villain, but he's definitely one of those extra-dimensional, cosmic-like entities, um, which falls in you know the camp of the Cthulhu mythos. But visually, he's not really a Lovecraftian villain, even though he's this hybrid kind of guy. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. get your thoughts first, Billy. What what's your history with this guy, and what do you think about his look? <laughs> um. Well, I mean, anytime you have people creating something in a book like the defenders i mean anybody that knows anything about that book you know it's going to be crazy because it's just you know it is <laughs> you know what i mean yes. everything about that book was crazy so it's almost like he looks like almost like a kind of gargoyle-ish um yeah but almost as if there's like a what would you call it like a when there's like two of them together oh, like that. Oh, you mean like a hybrid or an amalgamation, amalgamated character, a hybrid? No, not an amalgamated yeah. character. That's like a character with uh, two appearances. I think more like, um, yeah, like a hybrid. Uh, like the Bi-Beast. Do you remember the Bi-Beast? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, like another that. character yeah. we could have included. But, you know, I don't know if he's Bronze Age. He might be late Silver Age, the Bi-Beast. But, um, yeah, he's sort of like the Bi-Beast, whereas... 
you know, he's a gargoyle, like you say, but um, he's two gargoyles in one. One, one he's an upper gargoyle-like torso is growing out of his back. And then yeah. he's also got a werewolf-like appearance to his face or, or like a bat-like rodent bent to his features. Right. And then he's got these huge metallic uh, yellow claws. He's got, you know, taloned feet, green, you know, body hair, <laughs> brown wings, <laughs> feathered, not bat-like, which is adds to the strangeness. And, you know, um, eyes completely bereft of pupils, just red. Um, so scary looking, but also insane. It's like... You know, I think um, his first appearance was Submariner, tw- number 22. And um, yeah. it was created by Roy Thomas and Marie Severin. Now, if you think Marie Severin, she did have a hand in creating some really crazy, you know, visual characters. Especially in, in the pages of, of Doctor Strange, late Silver Age, early Bronze Age Doctor Strange. You know, she created some, some, some pretty crazy visuals. You know, when it came to Doctor Strange, Billy, like, um, I think uh, Grant and I talked about this when we appeared on an episode of um, the Treasury cast, you know, where we were discussing the Doctor Strange Treasury edition. You know, Mm -hmm. we discussed, um, you know, some of Marie Severin's uh, art and, and her creations. And I'm trying to think of, oh, Zemnu. Do you know Zemnu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he's just weird visually, and I, I, uh-huh. I talked about that on the Treasure Cat. I'm like saying, this guy with his top knot is just not doing it for me. But um, you know, the same with with kind of with this guy. I don't really like his this hybrid look, unless you talk by beast. I'm, I'm I love the by beast, but um, <laughs> this look it doesn't really do it for me but i would say that the nameless one in the pages of the defenders where i read him first uh-huh. i love him i just i just love that appearance you know when they go into this extra extra dimension and his whole tie with barbara norris and valkyrie that's just crazy yeah i mean i mean if you think about it he he mated he he kind of mated with barbara norris right and she uh-huh. fell in love with him and yeah. then the the defenders, Billy, in that issue of the defenders, they I think it's issue three or four, they forcibly had to kind of separate them, and she didn't want to go. <laughs> Barbara Nora, she was in love with this this monstrous hybrid uh, entity. You know, jeez, yeah. I mean, it's like a Siamese kind of twin monster type of thing. So, <laughs> oh, this is crazy. It's just uh-huh, crazy. It's creepy. <clears throat> it's weird. Yeah, it's it's definitely a good a good Bronze Age pick for sure. It's crazy. Yeah, that's right. But uh, he was the leader of the Undying Ones, I remember. Yes. And what yep. a great name, the Undying Ones. And and him mm-hmm. just being the nameless one, but that becoming his name is, <laughs> is ironic and weird <laughs> all on its own. So they would actually call him the nameless one, you know, proving his name wrong, <laughs> but right yeah. at the same time. Right. <laughs> oh, man, it's great. So, okay, that's a great pick. I do like that pick, Billy. So, mm-hmm. you know, and since you and I are both huge Defenders fans, and we've decided we're going to talk some Defenders on the show uh, sooner than later, I think um, one of our yeah. buddies, uh, William Potter, you know, he's he's a huge Defenders fan, and he also wants us to talk. Now, Defenders, I'm unashamedly going to say they're my favorite 
super Marvel super team ever. You know, so we kind of have to talk about them. But the reason, you know, listeners, long-time listeners might know, Billy, that we haven't talked a lot of Defenders is because of the fact that our show actually stems from, you know, um, the show Tighten Up the Defense. But, um, you know, they, they go heavily into Defenders talk. We, however, have decided we're going to talk some Defenders, but we're not going to go panel by panel like they, like um, uh, Hub and Corey do on Tighten Up the Defense. We're going to go more, you know, just uh, recapping like we normally do, just a synopsis and just giving our own thoughts. Um, yeah, we'll, ba- we'll bounce around a little bit and just do like storylines rather than just, you know, issue by issue like we do with the doc. That's right. That's right. We'll do that, you know, uh, later on. But uh, it might happen sooner rather than later. Who knows? Yeah, so, probably, well, probably before the end of the year. <clears throat> definitely, definitely. So the nameless one, Billy, a, a great addition to the list. I'm sure you'd agree. But then we get to someone who's going to show up on uh, the list again later on, and that's Ryan Daly's number two pick. And uh, Captain America villain primarily and uh, recently appeared in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. And that is Arnim Zola. <laughs> <laughs> now, how could how Billy? How could you and I not have picked him for our weird lists? I don't. Yeah. I cannot believe we overlooked this guy. And I'm we sure Ryan Ryan yeah. also can't believe that. Like, how could we have overlooked this dude? When I was thinking about these lists, when I thought about this episode idea, episode eleven, you know, wacky villains, I was like, oh yeah, I would love to do that episode. And I started brainstorming. My mind just initially went to weird books you know like not mainstream books and thinking of the villains that were in those books you know so like defenders and weird stuff like that i didn't even think you know weird villains that exist in like more mainstream books like captain america yeah. like animus or yeah. Arnim zola and that yeah. didn't even dawn on me until way afterwards because i was just thinking along the lines of all these other weird books you know yeah like i said that we checked out but yeah it's like i think if you've seen you know the, the captain america franchise films you know, as far as, you know, uh, origin and stuff, that's pretty accurate. But instead of, um, you know, just being inside a computer network, you know, the, the Arnim Zola, you know, Jack Kirby created him in, what is it, Cap 208, 1977? Yeah, that's right, yeah. It's almost like if you would take a guy, like if I, like, swallowed a TV <laughs> <laughs> and somebody, like, cut a viewing hole for the TV oh. out of my stomach... And then you cut my head off and put like a camera on top of it. <laughs> That's what this guy looks. <laughs> a like. webcam, a webcam-looking <laughs> camera, yeah. or like an Xbox Connect <laughs> or something. I don't know. That little uh-huh. camera on top. I love it that they call it his ESP box. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. are you talking here about an ESPN <laughs> modem box, a TV mm-hmm. receiver? I don't know what that is, but yeah, it's his ESP box. Uh, and um, I'm telling you. I love it. I love his visual. It's just great. I mean, Kirby, come on. How many great and, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, I don't I don't want to say this, but really Kirby is the, the probably the most creative guy I've ever come across, Billy. Really. Oh, I mean, for sure. obviously you can't create things in a vacuum. He must have had dozens of influences from different sources, but I don't know where he got his ideas from, you know. Some people say, you know, it's from, you know, perusing the the covers of paperbacks, sci-fi paperbacks from the 40s and 50s. Some people say it's from 
but you know you're from other comics but Kirby didn't read a lot of contemporary comics during his time when he was reading because he was just too busy right so where the heck did he get all of these ideas from? Just his visuals, the, the, the things he came up with, um, it's, it's insane. You know, so uh, Arnim Zola is probably in my top five, visually speaking, top five Kirby creations. It's just such yeah. an, an, an amazingly int- intricate and interesting concept. You know, this guy with a TV, a face on a TV in his chest <laughs> and with a little box and a camera on top of his head. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a the visual. I how do you, how do you come up with something like that? It's no. just so crazy the visual. But yeah, the first the earliest issue I have is I don't have his first appearance, but I have uh, Captain America two ten, and he's in there, and that is one of my favorite covers too. It's the cover where it has you know Cap and uh, Falcon and oh gosh who is it is it sharon carter maybe and they're like all intertwined with like the red skull's face almost like an octopus it's like one of, if you'd see the cover you'd rec- recognize it it's like <clears throat> yeah i know that cover well super, yeah super famous cover yeah so um yeah, that's an amazing he's, cover. but he's in there man because he was like you know in in, in bed with <laughs> pardon the expression with the red skull so yeah you know uh, now yeah. now billy one thing um you know that always uh, interested me in Arnim Zola is the fact that I think in one of his early appearances they mention it that you know the image on the TV screen in his chest is actually it's not a two-dimensional image you know it's like a three-dimensional image you know but you can't really convey that properly in comics but they they right. missed an opportunity to do that in in the MCU and I'm hoping they, they, they will give us the full-on Arnim Zola effect one day, although I sincerely doubt it now that the Steve Rogers cap is is done with. I mean, we've got Falcon cap now, right? But And yeah. we've got the Winter Soldier, so there's, there's still a chance that he might return. I mean, technically in the MCU and probably in the pages of the comic books as well, he can't really die, you know, because he can sort of upload himself. You know, uh, so if there's a copy that exists of his brain, you know, in the MCU, it'll probably be used. And I hope, I hope to God we'll get that little box, you know, (laughs) that that little body with the TV box in his (laughs) chest. Wouldn't that be great to see that on film? Uh, You know, I would love it. But yeah, I mean, he was created a lot later than I thought. I thought he was created, you know, much earlier on. But of course, this was when Kirby came back to Marvel after his... A stint at DC where he created the the new gods and, and Omac and Fourth all of that. World and all, yeah. yeah, the demon. So uh, this was in April 1977, the year and the month of my birth. <laughs> oh wow! Really, really, Captain America 208. And um, but that was not my first encounter with him, Billy. I never read those early Cap issues. I think I had a couple of issues uh, of Cap in my box that was gifted gifted to me by my uncle um the mad bomb uh, arc you know yep. i i had a couple of those um that was some of my earlier cap but uh, my history with arnim zola stems from captain america 277 and okay. this was during the the mike zek and uh, jmd mateus run that we mentioned earlier but believe the run that i actually collected and i started yeah. collecting uh cap during 1983 i don't know why but um i just love the art of mike zek even though i'm not particularly a fan of the character of captain america sorry 
uh, everybody, all the listeners, all you Cap fans out there. I like Cap. I'm just not the biggest Cap fan. Um, just because, you know, I'm not from the States and, you know, patriotic superheroes are not really my thing. Even though, well, Uncle Sam, you know, Belian, you and I talked. I love Uncle Sam from the Freedom Fighters over at DC. So there's something wrong with my statement saying I don't like patriotic, you know, themed superheroes. But still, you know. Well, um, hey, look, you already, you've already pissed off all the Gil Kane fans around the world. Go with the Cap <laughs> so, fans, too. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? You know, and plus, I'm in Taiwan. You know, what are you guys going to do? Fly <laughs> yeah. over here and, and tear me a new one? I doubt that. Although I, sh- I, I, I should be careful. <laughs> you could just sick Aaron on them. <laughs> oh, the, 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 the intern from the long box of darkness is not oh to be gosh. trifled with. <laughs> mm, that last episode was that was the best segment. But anyway, okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah, that's why I think we, we, we might not have Aaron coming back anytime soon, Billy. <laughs> yeah, look out. Listeners, this is a deep cut. From the most recent episode of the Long Box of Darkness, sorry. <laughs> Although Download it, it, tune in. <laughs> it did appear, it did appear on our Into the Weird Halloween special though as well, Billy. The feed, yep. Yep. So you know, um, basically, you know, my history with with old Arnim is he appeared but didn't appear. So so bear with me here, Billy. Cap two seven seven. It opens with Cap. You know, he's, I think he's in Mexico or something, and that's where. The son of Baron Zemo has his headquarters, and he's managed to kidnap Cap's friends uh, Arnie and his girlfriend Bernie at the time. So, you know, Cap's being confronted by Baron Zemo, the new Baron Zemo, and then, you know, there's all of these doughboy creatures, obviously created by Arnim Zola around, right, Billy? <laughs> and this is the, for the first time I saw the image, the, the look of Arnim Zola. And of course, like any normal person would, I freaked out. <laughs> it's just so weird. <laughs> and you know, um, he's also got these great lines, which I'll get to in the comic book. But they end up sicking these doughboy monstrosities that look very Cthulhu-like. They've got these tentacles and these large <laughs> eyes, and they end up, you know, tackling Cap. Cap, you know, uh, he takes them apart, but then. Uh, you know, they see that they can't hold Cap back, so they threaten to kill Arnie, who's in this suspended animation chamber. And then Cap yeah. says, okay, he'll listen to the monologue, the inevitable monologue from the <laughs> villain. And, you know, Zola's son, who's, well, let's let's just call him, sorry, not Arnim Zola's son, it's Baron Strucker's son, right? Uh, sorry, sorry, uh, Baron Zemo. Zemo's son. Yeah, Zemo, yeah. He's now the new Zemo, right? So he's taking uh-huh. Cap through this hallway of family portraits, right, Billy? And listen yeah. to this. This this dialogue really got me. Okay, but uh, for the listeners out there, this is an Arnim Zola centered, you know, podcast, not a Zola. Uh, I, I mean, um, Zemo. Com- Zemo. Sorry, yeah. uh, uh, but you know, basically, Arnim Zola's following Zemo all this time, and he's got these awesome comments that he that he levies while Zola's doing this monologue, right? Or while <laughs> Zemo's doing this monologue. Wow, the yeah. two Z names are really messing with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mixing them up. <laughs> so, so listen to this, right? Um, Zemo's introducing these family portraits to Cap, and uh, now bear in mind, listeners, he's talking about a Nazi here, right? His dad, the original Baron Zemo, is a Nazi and and a yep. and a killer. <laughs> so oh, he's yeah. saying, yeah. he's saying, uh, then look, Captain America, upon the faces of yesterday, look upon my family. My childhood was idyllic. My mother was as kind a woman as ever lived. And my father, 
he was a god to me. <laughs> now, he's Scary. still talking about this Nazi guy. He's saying, he was a brilliant man, the greatest scientist of the Third Reich, with a heart as expansive as his intellect. <laughs> you're talking about a man who murdered millions here, right? And then he says, until you attack, Captain, um, and with adhesive X, you permanently affixed the scarred, scarred mask to his face. You drove him mad. You transformed gentility to rage, love to blind hatred. Come on, he had all those things. And then, you know, yeah. Cap points that out. And then Zemo reacts violently. He slaps uh, Cap. And then, slaps yeah, yeah, Cap slaps him. <laughs> and then you've got Zola uh, or Arnim Zola saying, Zemo, control yourself. Do not let passion overpower reason. Now, that will prove funny later on because there's no reason for Arnim Zola to talk like that, Billy, because actually this is not the real Arnim Zola. As it turns out, this is a blob. Yeah, this is one of the doughboys <laughs> who, you know, gained uh, autonomy, an autonomous intellect, and he is, is calling himself Primus. Yeah. And what Zemo's plan is, is to, to sort of... Uh, take Cap's place. You know, he's going to let Primus take Cap's place in the real world as Steve Rogers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but before that, we get this reveal of what this Zemo looks like, right, Billy? That's why I love yeah. this comic as a kid. It's horror. Straight up horror. He takes off his mask and he re reveals his melted face. Billy, now look at that panel. You, you've got this comic open in front of you, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, off-mic listeners, we said that we'd, we'd talk about this this issue. And you see the most horrific image of someone with a burnt face. I mean, can even Dr. Doom compare to this guy, Billy? No. Yeah, this is awful looking. Jeez. So, so listeners, if you're, if you're up for that, check out Cap 277 and, and, you know, take a gander at Zemo's melted face. Holy God. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> and, but, but this is the first time I saw Zola. And he looked freakish. And, and, you know, at one point in time, Cap points out how freakish they both look. And then they say, no, Captain, you are an undying freak. <laughs> you should have died. In, you know, you shouldn't have been in suspended animation in the ice. You should have died. <laughs> uh -huh. So it's like the pot calling the kettle black here, Billy, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this comic's great. That's where I first encountered Zola. And I remember when Zola shape changed into Primus and then eventually into Cap. And they had this, this knockdown drag out fight between him mm -hmm. and Cap, I was very disappointed. Yeah. I was like, bring back the yeah. guy with the TV screen chest, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the last we see of Zola in this comic. So, yeah, technically, the first time I ever saw Arnim Zola was not actually him. But that image stuck with me, Billy. And yeah. um, he I would... really, he disappeared for a while, though. I mean, you might have saw one or two little appearance of, appearances of his during the 80s and 90s. Not many, though. And then he didn't pop up again until the 2000s with Brubaker. That's right. That's right. That, yeah, that's a good point. You know, I, I missed him for a while there. But because he seemed to be such an iconic Cap villain, I always thought of him as yeah. like Cap's top five. You know what I mean, mm -hmm. Billy? Like um, Red yeah. Skull, Zemo, Baron Strucker, and then Zola's in there. And then, you know, probably number five, I don't know. I'd have to pick a lady. Maybe Viper. I don't know. That's just my personal five top villains of Cap. <laughs> but, you know, um, he was so... Uh, so weird looking that you just had to see more of him you know so it's a shame that we yeah. didn't you're right Billy but you know then you know not to go too far off on a tangent here listeners but this comic book 277 is great because at the end Billy there's a falcon backup tale 
And mm -hmm. since we're into the weird, isn't this story completely uh, completely bizarre? I mean, it's yeah. it's basically the Falcon. You know, he he stopped being the Falcon at this point in time, and he be and become like a street level um, sort of uh, black dynamite type of, of of street level savior, where he's trying yeah. to help the poor of Harlem and so forth. But there's this 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 scene where. He's he's on the roof and Red Wing comes to him and he sort of sends Red Wing away saying he's not the Falcon anymore. And then this this door opens, you know, from the stairwell and he's saying the weirdest thing. He's saying like, who the... D -d Daddy? <laughs> I'm like, why? Why would he think his father would be opening this door? And it turns out it's, it's this priest. And then mm -hmm. he ends up beating up the priest. <laughs> And it all because the priest called him Sam. And he said, yeah. my name ain't Sam. And he starts just punching this priest. And he says, from now on, you call me Snap. <laughs> Snap Wilson. Yeah. Snap Wilson. <laughs> or you call me nothing at all. So, listeners, why are we talking about this? There's no reason. This has got nothing to do with the, the top five list. It's just weird. <laughs> it's uh -huh. just crazy. Like, why did this happen? But... You know, uh, I just felt I had to mention that, Billy, because you can't read this issue to check out Arnim Zola without thinking, what the heck was up with this backup tale? <laughs> I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. If somebody else knows better, let me know. Maybe Grant can chime in, but I think they might have retconned some of this as to being like the Red Skull was controlling Sam or something like that. I, I think they might have. Well, that would make more sense than than what I saw on the page, right, Billy? Thinking yeah. that this is yeah. Sam just going yeah, nuts. Yeah, because he was always a hero, you know. And then all yeah. of a sudden, oh, we're going to make him like this. You know, he acted like he was like this, you know, nice guy, community organizer. But then behind the scenes, he was really like a, oh, he's a drug dealer or what they made him be. But he was like pretty nasty. And like you said, he just beat the crap out of some priest that yeah. wasn't doing anything wrong. And but I yeah. think they tried to say like either it was. The Red Skull. You know, Red Skull or something control. had something to do with this. Yeah, something like that. I, think. I love Grant, Red... Like I said, somebody like that's a huge cap mark. Like Grant, I, lo I love Red Cons like that, Billy. I just love it. I mean, it's not as... <laughs> I mean, Death of Cap, wasn't there some weird Red Con too where it's like a uh... time bullet that sent him back in time and yeah, the body wasn't was really his awesome. body? And Oh, man, I love Red Cons like that. I, I'm, I'm saying bring it on. <laughs> Crazy. They should have never killed him in the first place or no. left him dead. But I don't want him dead. I want him to be alive. So No, no, same, 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 same. Put same. him in a coma for a while or something. Come on, it's just to drive up sales, that. right, Billy? Just to drive up <laughs> oh, sales. Absolutely. That, that, yeah, absolutely. that being the case, that makes it even worse if you think about it. But <laughs> yeah. I love them retconning everything. It's just great. So um, let's get back to the list because, you know, I went off on a tangent, Billy. I roped you in and, and pulled you along. I apologize. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that, that was Ryan Daly's pick, number two, Arnim Zola, right, Billy? Yeah. Then we get to Slangword Scott. And this is a character I think you are not very familiar with, right, Billy? Um, from Master of Kung Fu, Scott picked Brynocki, uh, the, the little robot, <laughs> the Pinocchio-like yeah, robot. Yeah, never heard of this guy. I had to look him up, and I still saw a picture and thought, I have no clue. And I'm not very well read on uh, Shang-Chi. That's a, it's a bit of a mm. – I have a few single issues, but that's it. That's a real – it's a a big hole in my uh, reading from the Bronze Age, probably yeah. the biggest glaring one. Well, we mentioned this when we were discussing Razor Fist earlier. I mean, um, you know, Shang-Chi is more, uh, a character that lent himself more towards espionage, right, in the later issues. and yeah. And this is like one of those kind of things because – 
where Brynocki comes in, Billy, now I want to set the stage here when I'm going to talk about Brynocki. Think, think, James Bond, Roger Moore, Man with the Golden Gun. Christopher Lee, one of our favorites, right? As the Man yep. with the Golden Gun. Francisco Scaramanga, right? And, you know, he had this little helper. What was he called? Nick Knack, you know, played yeah, by the guy yeah, from yeah, Fantasy yeah. Island or... or I forgot uh, the name. Herman yeah. Hervillachez, right? So yeah, yeah. he had this yeah. this little helper, Nicknack. Now this Brynocki's kind of like Nicknack to a big bad who's got Shang Chi on this island, <laughs> and Brynocki sort of <laughs> fills that role, you know. Yeah. And um, this this is him basically, from from what I remember from Master of Kung Fu, because yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Master of Kung Fu, but. You know, I picked up most of the back issues that I needed. I think I started collecting around issue 102, you know, as a kid. It was just after, well, not, it was a couple of issues after Fu Manchu had supposedly died, you know. So so yeah. I, I got on the Master of Kung Fu bandwagon late, you know. But um, then eventually I picked up the back issues in the 80s and so on. But I read this much later in my life, the the early, I think the Brynocki appears in, um, in the, the, the late 30s you know the night uh, the you know when it's i don't know let's let's have a look here billy we must have some information about him here because uh, like we say we pride ourselves on 34 on, yeah 34 on, okay, i think issue 34 of master of kung fu and then yeah i think it was a two-parter as well ending in this huge explosion much like you know man with the golden gun guns ending um so brinocki he's sort of like um yeah he's a robot Mm-hmm. And um, he is very attached to his master. And, you know, he um, he's kind of dangerous, too. At one point, he pulls out a lasso and he ropes some folks. I think he 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 ropes, um, you know, uh, Shang-Chi supporting cast with this lasso. Um, you know, um, he's not really super powerful. You know, he's just like a little Pinocchio, you know, but he definitely <laughs> or he's kind of like a butler, too. Um so you won't really, you're not scared of him or anything. He does turn up again later uh, in Master of Kung Fu again. Um, but I forget what his role is then, Billy. But the point being that, man, he's a worthy addition to this list. Because this little Pinocchio-like robot in a comic like Master of Kung Fu, which is normally very serious, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, even the Razor Fist story we discussed was pretty serious. If you think about it, Billy, it's not like, you, you can't find a lot of things to laugh about in that story other than the fact that he's got these two hands, you know, um, consisting of these blades. But Brynocki, though, that's something wacky if you introduce that into a comic which is all about espionage and, you know, at that point in time, like Shang-Chi was. So, I don't know, Billy, mind, what, what, like, just on the visuals alone, what do you think about this, this, this Brynocki character? Yeah, it's really weird, especially, like you said, when you consider it's in master of kung fu if it would have been in you know uh a different book where it wasn't about <laughs> espionage and kung fu and stuff it would make a little more sense but because it's in that book it makes it very bizarre yeah well much like um razor fist he was also of course created by doug munch and paul gulacy right and um yeah. you know uh, the the bad guy who created him i think i think he created him i'm, I'm pretty sure he did is is called mordillo you know, the, the man with the golden gun type villain, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, at the time, I think, if I can remember the storyline correctly, that this Leiko, you know, um, uh, Shang-Chi's, um, I think, love interest, 
right? Billy, she was mm-hmm. kidnapped by Mordillo. Yeah. You know, so, um, um, and then, you know, there was this rescue operation and, and uh, Mordillo ended up, you know, biting the big one. And there's this very sad panel, which is also the panel that Scott sent us when he picked this character where <laughs> Brian Oki sort of cradles his de- dead master. You know, oh man, that that's heartfelt. But, you know, for a master of Kung Fu comic, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's great. It's really, really great. And, uh, you know, um, I would say that, uh, you know, I should have picked this guy, but Scott, you know, he was more on the ball than me when I compiled my previous list. Because um, I remember reading this uh, a while back and I was thinking like, this is so insane that someone should do a podcast about Shang-Chi and mention this. (laughs) That was what I was thinking like six or seven years ago when I reread the storyline. But, well, you know what? Yeah. With that movie coming out, I guarantee you there'll be a Shang-Chi podcast real soon. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Well, Billy, we'll do our yeah. best to also intersperse <laughs> some of the Into the Weird um, you know, episodes with some Shang-Chi love. I mean, we'll do our best. But definitely, I hope someone is going to start a Shang-Chi podcast. There might even be one. You know, the other day I was like just trolling the podcast and I saw an Iron Fist podcast. <laughs> and I started oh, wow. listening to it. Not bad. Not bad. I'll yeah, so check that out. yeah, we got it. It's just called the Iron Fist podcast, I think. So yeah, hmm. give that a go. But you know, my point being that you know, I might say something like, "I wish there was a Shang Chi podcast," and there probably is. <laughs> Who knows? We'll just have to find it. <laughs> Could be, yeah. Yeah. So Brian Oki, um, I think that's all I can say about him. Since you know, I haven't read these comics in a while. Um, yeah, I, I I don't have much more to say about him. Sorry about that, Scott. But still, I remember, you know, him well, you know, thinking that he was, you know, I likened him to Knickknack <laughs> in, in, the, in the movie. And Billy, what did you say of Christopher Lee's performance? I mean, both of us are a fan. I loved his performance in that movie, really. The third nipple, <laughs> the womanizing. <laughs> uh, his monologue's one of the best Bond monologues, too, when he, when he really shows off his literal golden gun, which isn't just the little one that he builds himself. It's this massive you know sun-powered laser <laughs> yeah wow he's crazy that's when james bond went through you know just just completely insane but you yep. know i loved it i loved it okay so then billy i guess we should should move on um to the next one on the list and i think now wait before we do let's first think about this billy which one's your favorite of the number twos mentioned and I'm going to read them again to you, listeners. We've got The Nameless One from Sphinx Magoo, Arnim Zola from Ryan Daly, and Brian Oki from Slangword Scott. Who are you going to pick for your favorite there, Billy? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, Zola's awesome, but I might have to say Nameless One because I'm such a Defenders and, you know. Yeah, yeah, dude, the name is one. Well, I mean, he's one of those hybrid creatures that we love, and um, he's definitely more in our, you know, part of the Marvel universe that you and I swim in. So I'm going to have to go with you, the nameless one for me, just because can you believe what, you know, Barbara Norris went through with him? You know, like he forces her to become his bride, then she ends up falling in love with him. How? How does she fall in love with this two headed winged monstrosity? You don't know. And, um, you know, just because he's suitably, you know, in our weird, you know, line of villains, Uh I'm I'm also going to have to. Now, this might seem, 
you know, blasphemous to, to listeners out there. How could we not pick Arnim Zola? But um, Arnim Zola shows up later again. I'm not going to give anything away, but he's definitely again on the list. So we're, who knows? We might pick him. We might not. But I'm, I'm thinking not, <laughs> seeing his competition. <laughs> okay, so Billy, we're both going for the nameless one, right? Uh-huh. Okay, cool. All right, so now we get to the number ones, Billy. Again, we'll start with uh-huh. old Sphinx. And he picked the character you and I are both familiar with, even though he only had one appearance. And that is from the pages of Adam Warlock. Krator! (laughs) (laughs) This is one that I, when I, you sent me this list from these three guys, I thought, who is that? And then, of course, I pulled up the image and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. that guy. And I thought, man, that was one that I was a little surprised because we did mention during our first, you know, crazy villains uh, episode that we were a little surprised we didn't have any Jim Starlin uh, characters in there. And I thought, yeah, we probably should have had this guy because he's crazy and weird. And, you know, we didn't have any Starlin. Like, we didn't go about it that way, you know, by creator. But definitely Starlin had enough that at least one of his should have made the list. And if any of them should have, it's this guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, this guy definitely, visually speaking, he should should yeah. definitely be on the list just based on visuals alone. But, you know, when you... Actually, his first appearance was in Strange Tales number 180, but it, it eventually transitioned into a Warlock series, right? Kind of, you know, when... Yeah. when but um, this was when Starlin was already firmly, you know, established as the writer and penciler. But I think Krator was also co-created along with Starlin uh, by a guy called Sam Jilturn. You know, he provided the story for this... Um, particular issue so the the story is called the judgment right that's that's the story he appears in judgment day and he basically this crater guy right Billy first let's describe him to the listeners who don't have the image if you're not on (laughs) sinkintotheweird.com and you're not looking at this image right now he's basically a body consisting of a head so he looks like a scaled humpty dumpty with compound eyes insect like compound eyes green skin hair popping out all over his egg-like form <laughs> and he's got four arms to boot and then legs just protruding from this weird little egg-shaped body but he's a giant in stature right he's sort of like bigger than yeah. a normal person at least eight feet tall and he's mm-hmm. menacing adam warlock on the cover of strange tales 180 and he's got fangs <laughs> this, mm-hmm. he kind of looks like killer croc you know from the dc universe if he only consisted of a head Right, yeah. Billy? He's got this rep- reptilian kind of uh, face, but it's oval-shaped. And he he's actually a gr- the Grand Inquisitor for the Universal Church of Truth. Uh-huh. Um, uh, obviously led by the Magus, uh, an evil future version of Adam Warlock. For yeah. those of you not in the know, Al Sedano would probably have lots to say on this guy, right? From the <laughs> Warlock and Thanos podcast, Resurrections. Al would oh, probably yeah. talk days about this guy. <laughs> even though he had this short appearance. But, you know, I love him, Billy, because of, like I said, the visuals and also because of the the, the whole trial aspect of this comic. Do you remember it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The trial of Adam Warlock. I think it's chapter two in this uh, issue of Strange Tales. And then Krator is introduced on this page and he's saying, yeah, uh, someone announces him, some, some lackey of the court. He says, Hear ye, hear ye. The court is in session. His honor, the Grand Inquisitor, Krator, presiding. <laughs> and, uh, and then this trial is just a total scam you know they've got two uh lawyers one 
I think is a mouth, a giant, uh, you know, mouth with this, these full lips. And then one is just a giant eye, which freaks me the hell out. Your favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, 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 the mouth is the district prosecutor and the eye is the defender, <laughs> but the defender can't speak. You know, he, he doesn't uh, have any way of communicating. So how, how can he defend Adam Warlock? And you know, <laughs> this, this I, trial is great. You know, I love, uh, Krator's uh, uh, monologue here. <clears throat> He's this glorious court has been called to order this day to sit in judgment of this heathen <laughs> before us. <laughs> and then he says he has been accused of paganism, heresy, witchcraft, consorting with non-productives, and the murder of a loyal black knight of the faith. How do you plead, infidel? <laughs> yeah. And then he says, what is this? Uh, Warlock responds with like, what is this? And then immediately Krator chimes in and says, uh, the, the, what the accused the pleads record, not the, guilty. Or yeah, the record yeah, shows. The record will show. <laughs> <laughs> not guilty. Bayless. <laughs> At one point, Warlock is too mouthy for Krator. And he's like, Bayless, gag him. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, and then, you know, uh, the, the jury, right, Billy, consists of these statues, these cracked mm -hmm. statues, but they're, in fact, they are alive because later on they do render the guilty verdict with a thumbs down, unanimous yeah. thumbs down. And, you know, the, the, the prosecutor is very verbal, consisting of a mouth. You would expect that to be the case. And then when, when Krator turns towards the, the, defend, the defender, Warlock's defender, this giant eye, he says... <laughs> The eye is sleeping, and you just have this sound effect like this is the, the you know this eye is sleeping, and records will show the defense threw itself at the mercy of the court. <laughs> oh man, this is a great issue. This is just brilliant, and then you know, and then of course Warlock's having none of that. So there's the eventual throwdown. He frees himself. You know, uh, he basically wrecks the court. And he kicks this defender, like this drop kick, right? He kicks this prosecutor, <laughs> this lip, this giant pair of lips. And then Krator says, all right, you've been sentenced to death. And then there's this <laughs> massive battle between him and Krator. And it's, it shows, but, but wait, Billy, I forgot to mention something. At one point in time, right, Warlock, uh -huh. he mentions something incredibly apt and incredibly canny. Um, in his testimony, he's basically defending himself because this eye is not doing a good job. So Warlock, <laughs> he ends up saying, I'd like to move for a dismissal of this case. The court is aware that the Magus and I are one and the same being, thus making it impossible for this court to try me. <laughs> <laughs> right? It, it, that makes sense, right? Uh, and then Krator just motion denied. The prisoner will refrain from any outbursts or find himself gassed. <laughs> Oh, this is brilliant. Oh, man. Krator. Oh, damn. I would pick him if the, the other two, you know, picks from Ryan and from Slangward Scott weren't so strong. I would pick him. But wow, he's going to yeah. be a close second, Billy. A close second. <laughs> I love Krator. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he, brilliant. He's good. You, to me, he's very, he's very original. Even yeah. just with his look. You can't look at that creature and say, oh, well, that looks like you know, something I've seen before in a comic or a movie. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that looks anywhere similar to that, that he, you know, might have, you know, borrowed some ideas. Yeah, yeah. And and throughout it all, he's got this huge smile on his face, Billy. That smile never yeah. leaves his face, but it's this evil leer showing his fangs. 
And even during the end, when, when Warlock bests him, he's sort of still got that smile plastered all over his egg-shaped, humpty, evil Humpty Dumpty body. <laughs> wow. Okay, so, so let's see what Ryan picked. Um, <laughs> Billy, now, I wish that, that this would actually be the last entry, but yeah, we got to talk about this one before we talk about Scott. Um, Ryan picked one of my favorite villains of all time, not just in the pages of Marvel. I'm talking about in all comics, Billy. And that is the orb. Yep. <laughs> so, my first listeners, I've got to explain. Why didn't I pick the orb on my list? Of course, he's always uh, first and foremost in my mind when I think villains. But I don't always think of him as a wacky, weird villain. I think of him as a tragic villain. Because yeah. much like I couldn't pick, let's say, someone like Baron Zemo, I can't really pick the orb. I mean, obviously, he looks suitably crazy. But, Billy, you know how I feel about giant eyes, right? Uh-huh. So when I look at the orb, I don't get a laugh response. I don't feel this the laughter bubbling in or, or you know, anything um, to, the, to the point where I'm, like, thinking, oh, man, this guy's so crazy and so funny looking. Yeah. My first response to the orb is horror, abject horror. Because he's, uh-huh. he's an eye, and, you know, I hate, you know, eyeballs and eyes. And then... Later on, he takes off his mask. Now, listeners, we're talking about the original orb here. Yeah. The orb that, that um, first appeared in, in Marvel Team-Up and um, that uh, eventually transitioned to the pages of Ghost Rider. He's a Ghost Rider yeah. villain, first and foremost. And right. he was a partner of Crash Simpsons who was involved in a horrific accident and his face was also scarred, much like Doctor Doom, much like you know Baron Zemo and Zemo's son that we discussed just, just earlier. He has this horribly scarred face. And yeah. man, I, I just can't think of him, you know, personally. Of course, I understand why Ryan picked him, but I think of him as a horror type villain. Right. Uh, I don't know, Billy. Okay, let me, let me ask your, your opinion first. What's your hot take on the orb? <laughs> well, I mean, I do like him a lot, but after this incarnation... Doesn't he turn into like an actual like horror character where like that giant eyeball is like for real? It's not just a mask. Yes. Okay. That I'm gonna get to that, Billy. I'm gonna definitely. That's during yeah. the Jason Aaron I, run. Uh, he introduces another orb, a second orb. Yeah. Which actually, I mean, yeah. I've never read that. I haven't read that yet. But I actually like that idea better than a guy wearing a mask that's just disfigured underneath. Because like you already said, there's how many people that kind of have that shtick before the orb even came along. So I, I like it better that like, oh, okay, he's like, he's some kind of monster figure like with a that mu- giant eyeball. Yeah, like a mutated uh, mutant, which yeah. in fact this this new orb is. Yeah, yeah. Billy, you're right, you're right. We're going to get to him. But the original orb, though, did he did have superpowers to an extent. He He was like a master hypnotist. But yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. his hypnotic powers were so powerful that it's almost bordering on Charles Xavier mind control kind of levels. Because at one point in time, not only does he hypnotize Roxanne on, on numerous occasions, uh, Johnny Blaze's love interest, but he also hypnotizes an, in, an entire crowd within seconds. Right, Billy? And then uh, forces them to attack um, Ghost Rider. But Ghost Rider is immune to his hypnotism being a demon. So, um, and for some some strange reason, Spider-Man doesn't seem to be affected by the hypnotism either. We don't really know why. But the point is, he he's super-powered, sort of. And um, 
obviously this is a learned technique much like dr strange's magical powers he had to learn this form of super hypnotism but um it counts as a superpower in my mind but the original orb for me remains my favorite i mean i like the concept of the new orb more you know what i mean billy but the original orb remained yeah. my favorite because if any of you want to see what he really looks like just check out um marvel team up number 15 and i think he also takes off his mask in a later appearance of ghost rider i think ghost rider number 14 right billy yeah he does because that's i don't have that marvel team up there's i have a lot of marvel team up from one to 100 i think it went to what 150 but i have a lot from one to 100 probably about 80 percent of them if not 90 percent of them but i don't have that one yet but i do have the ghost rider appearance and yeah he gets all pissed off at one point and pulls that eyeball off the giant eyeball yeah and his face is like very horribly disfigured like it's it's almost as bad as you know like you're saying about that uh cat issue with zemo it's almost that bad it's it actually kind of looks a little scarier to me it does it does i mean that's why i think of him as a horror villain um but yeah i should mention sorry i uh let's amend uh, something i said uh this is marvel team up number 15 featuring spider-man and ghost rider that's where he first appears the orb or not first appears yeah that's his first appearance right billy and then uh, later on yeah he takes off his mask fairly early on you know so you get his tragic backstory yeah. um, but the image i think it's on i don't know it's it's later on in the issue i don't have the actual issue in front of me i'm, I'm i've got my marvel team up um masterworks here with me billy and the ghost it, rider issue yeah i think it's 15 yeah no no the ghost rider issue you're right is 15 i'm yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. this marvel team up number 15 where oh, yeah, you yeah. know this image of is horrible dude it's it's even worse than the zemo one we talked about earlier i think you know where you see his face so that's why i yeah. i sort of i like this orb more you know but um i can understand why most folks go for the newer orb because he's suitably uh, you know crazy as well I, i'm gonna read you something just now billy from from that orb but um first let's give some more info on the original orb he his real name was drake shannon Right, and he uh, was the partner of Johnny Blaze's uh, mentor, Crash Simpson, Roxanne Simpson's dad. Right, so he was horribly uh, maimed yep. in a motorcycle accident, but he wanted to claim co-ownership or or sole ownership of the carnival of the motorcycle show. Um, yeah. And then that's when he, you know, uh, came back after his uh, his stint in the hospital, <laughs> recovering. Took him years to recover. He came back with a gang of bikers. And since he was a motorcyclist too, he was almost as skilled as Johnny Blaze. And he came back with his power of hypnotism. And then, you know, obviously he was defeated time and time again by Ghost Rider and, and, and others. So I, yeah. I really like him more because of his tragic backstory. But but now let's get to the second orb that you mentioned. Uh -huh. This guy, wow, he, he was literally born with an eyeball for a head. <laughs> right billy so now i'm going to read you something that i got online from the marvel wiki and this is the only time during this podcast that i actually access the wiki usually uh -huh. listeners we we make use of mike's amazing world of comics to to check first appearances and 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 issue numbers and, and creators and so forth yeah. but i had to access the wiki because i realized that my you know i never read original sin billy that that arc that jason aaron wrote that marvel event um and, uh, you know, I know the orb played a big role in that. I saw a couple of images yeah. of him wielding the Watcher's eye and, and, and all of that. <laughs> and, and this is obviously the orb that Jason Aaron introduced. Now, 
just listen to this. This is from the Marvel Wiki. They say the, the early life of the orb. This is now the orb 2. He was born with a head in the form of a giant eye. Due to this deformity, he was abandoned by his parents at an early age and raised in a freak show where he was forced to sleep in cages and eat cat food. The orb <laughs> grew up being laughed at and mocked and stayed a virgin until he was 37 when he paid for the experience. <laughs> He wouldn't be able to speak for a long time because he learned he could only make squishy sounds. <laughs> this is a serious Marvel Wiki entry. <laughs> this guy who wrote this must have had so much fun just writing that little yeah. paragraph. And then, of course, yeah, later on he was um, hired to serve the angel Zadkiel, you know, um, and that was during the Jason yeah. Aaron run of Ghost Rider. And... Um, yeah, and that's when we, we found him. And he's since popped up again. He popped up in some Deadpool comics. and um, Basically, I like the idea of him. But this character, yes, I would have more. I would have picked the, the Orb 2 to be on a wacky villains list. But he's not in the Bronze Age, so, so we couldn't do that, right, Billy? Because yeah. he's definitely yeah. more crazy. But still very disturbing because it's an actual eye. I mean, at one point, he damages his sclera. You know, so, <laughs> Billy, think about that. Ugh. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It should be pretty easy to damage your your eye when you're like basically your entire head's this massive eye. <laughs> but uh, Jason Aaron makes no secret that he loves his character. He loves the orb. That's why he keeps introducing him, and um, in 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 his comics. And you know, I think even when when there's people you know penciling images of Jason Aaron and all of the things that he's done for Marvel, you always see a little bit of a, an orb plushie or an orb toy in the background. Somewhere because he loves him so much, but the, the he's got the same powers as uh, the original orb, which is hypnosis. Yeah, yeah so uh, we were funny, interesting. We got to look into that. Like I say, I'm more versed in the original orb. Wow, Billy, I'm I'm telling you, this is this is great. Really, I was this. actually a little shocked he wasn't on your your list there when you sent it to me when we did our. Mm, mm, mm. I was shocked. I thought he was going to be on there. Yeah, like I say, I don't associate him with, you know, kind of the wacky villains I picked were more like, you know, I could laugh about them. But because the original yeah. orb is more like a tragic figure for me, that's why I really mm -hmm. didn't pick him. But I, I'm fully behind Ryan in picking him. And in fact, I'm glad someone picked him because it gave me a chance to talk about him, to gush about him. <laughs> <laughs> Just his visual, Billy, the visual look yeah, of the original great. orb. You know, and he's got these flaring kind of boots and this this motorcycle outfit that's clearly you know like evil Knievel inspired, but with yeah. a different color scheme though. And ah, oh, I love him, love the orb. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so then we get to the last one. Now everybody, Slangworth Scott picked someone we already spoke about, so we're not going to talk too much about him. But this is Slangworth's favorite bronze age wacky villain and um i can see why because we discussed him earlier arnim zola again makes mm -hmm. an appearance so other than uh, razor fist arnim zola shows up twice on these yep. uh, lists that we mentioned now so yeah that that puts him in the running for one of the greatest weird villains of all time and and he's definitely one of them billy right i would say oh yeah all hail jack kirby anybody yeah. that creates a character that looks like that like you know a person has swallowed a tv so yeah it, <laughs> it's definitely worthy of a, a crazy list i mean it's just anybody that doesn't know the character or only knows 
the character from the MCU, definitely do a, a search like uh, Herman said, Mike's Amazing World or Marvel Wiki or whatever. Definitely do a search for these guys to, to look at some of their appearances and some of the visuals because they're just absolutely crazy. Yeah. Where they got the ideas from this, I'll never know. Yeah, Kirby was such a... I don't know how he was such a dynamo when it came to these wacky guys. I mean, an ESP yeah. box on the top of his head, and you know he <laughs> he he animates sentient dough, <laughs> and you know, and then he's a he's a you know a, a geneticist, a biologist. He can clone. He can mm-hmm. man. He can he can transfer his consciousness from body to body. He's basically functionally mortal. This guy, I'm telling you, Arnim Zola, and his name. You know, he doesn't need a name like, you know, TV box head or <laughs> Modoc. Yeah. He doesn't need anything like that. He's basically he just he, he takes his original name. Uh, he's Swiss, right, Billy? Originally, Arnim Zola is Swiss, I think. I think and, so, yeah. And just Arnim yeah. Zola. That, that name in, inspires fear, mockery, ridicule, but also, you know, yeah, respect sometimes from, from the, the lackeys <laughs> of Hydra. <laughs> oh, I love him. Love Arnim Zola. So, but obviously, Billy, you know who my pick's going to be. The best on this oh, list. Yeah. I'm going to have to pick the orb, even though I don't, you know, I see him as a tragic figure. He's definitely just his visual alone. He's definitely, you know, uh, up, you know, he does um, incite some laughter. <laughs> <laughs> so, Billy, what about you? Who's your pick for the I- best? I'd have to go with Krator. He's he's really wild. Oh, I like him just nice. because it's so original too. Yeah, he's such an original design. I gotta go with a a uh, Jim Starlin. Yeah, <laughs> well, I gotta thank our um, our three uh, listeners here, Sphinx and Ryan and Slangward, because Billy, we would probably not have talked about these characters for for many many episodes to come if they didn't mention them. And I'm yeah. very glad they did because we're still a way, uh, a long way away from discussing the Jim Starlin issues, and mm-hmm. uh, of Warlock, and we're also a long way away from getting to that Ghost Rider Marvel team up issue with, with the Orb, which which is still going to yeah. be discussed, listeners. That's one of the the issues that we've listed in our you know future segments or future episode, yeah, that we're going to be doing. So. Wow, Billy, I'm happy they got that, you know, to us and mentioned things that we should have mentioned in retrospect. Like Krator, definitely. How could we have missed him? The nameless one. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I can understand that Uluxul Kwantai Sin, you know, might not have been on my radar, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I, I did read him way back when and obviously is someone that I should have thought about but i didn't but you know i can understand why i yeah. overlooked him but guys like the orb and Krator, the nameless one come on how could we have missed that <laughs> well you know sometimes when we brainstorm for um ideas and we think about things and we don't record them until much later instead of what i should do is i should actually make a preliminary list and then go through books and look and do some research but i'm just so I don't know what the word is but just so gung-ho i just immediately write down you know the, the top so many that come to my head mm. and then think okay we're gonna do a top five and I, I wrote down 10 names which five are my really favorites and i start kind of eliminating and i should really even dive deeper because mm. i would have definitely Krator would have been i don't know if he would have made my top five but he's up there for me too he definitely would have been in my top 10 and then that 
Elixel, whatever the heck his name is. Juan Tai Sin. Yeah, I like that guy too. He's just absolutely insane. Like it is like a guy, regular like bodybuilder looking body, and then with a octopus head. It, it's crazy. <laughs> oh man, like yeah, basically like a Masters of the Universe action figure. I think. Yeah. Um, Sphinx mentioned that when he when he picked him, it's like a, a Masters yeah. of the Universe action figure, you know, gone gone loco. <laughs> mm-hmm. But right. um, no, no, I well, well done, guys, well done to Sphinx, Ryan, and Slang, and Scott. Um, yeah. I, I enjoyed this, Billy. What a show. So we should mention, listeners, this is the end of our main segment, but um, uh, keep, keep, keep this going. If there's any of you um, out there who want to submit your own lists, we'll definitely mention them in the feedback segments of our future shows. We won't do an entire show on wacky Bronze Age villains again, I think, Billy, not for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it'll be a while. <laughs> but it'll be a while. But we might we might do some top five, you know, shows like this again based on other topics and other characters and storylines and whatnot. But please oh, send sure. it in. Please send it, send us your personal top five wacky list, and we'll definitely mention them on future um, shows. And so, yet again, we're at the end of another show. We appreciate you accompanying us listeners on another deep dive into the weird but um, we hope you'll stick with us as we're already uh, prepping our February show where we'll be getting back to Doctor Strange (laughs) and I know that's long overdue Um, our favorite character of the Marvel Universe, neck and neck for me with Morbius but um, yeah, I've always had a soft spot for the Doc so we'll do him again soon and um, you can look forward to that. But until then, take it easy, stay cool, take care of yourselves, and whenever you feel lonely, remember, there are weirdos out there all over the place, all over the world, just waiting to listen to a podcast with you. Hopefully that podcast will be Into the Weird. Until next time, listeners, this is Herman and Billy signing off. Goodbye. Goodbye.